Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark, and I am coming to you from my deep underground lair, the Comic Book Dungeon. And my name is Cruz, and I'm coming from to you from the one, the only, the deadly Wolf Spider Arena. Yes, long-time listeners will remember, it's it's been a while since he's been in the, the arena, the comic book Deathly Arena, and he is back, so this is a cause for celebration. Oh yeah, we were closed for winter v- renovations, but the weather's warming up, it's getting nice, and the wolf spiders want to play. Yes, nobody will. Nobody could forget that adrenaline-filled moment in our first episode where you were attacked by a wolf spider. Yeah. <laughs> And for all of you who don't, say, necessarily live in the United States, who don't know what a wolf spider is, it's actually a spider bitten by a werewolf. So they're, uh, they're no joke. Yeah, and it, when it came at me, it was a full moon, so I was really worried. As would anybody. <laughs> they're, uh, just, just, it, it, full disclosure, there is a lot of caffeine, caffeine going on on both sides of this podcast, so there's going to be some exuberance. So let's not, if this is your first oh, show... Yes. This shouldn't this shouldn't scare you off. Just just, just yeah. go with it. We're feeling a little froggy right now. Should we tell them what we just did? Yeah, it things might not air in order. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to work it into the rotation. But we just did an interview with a uh, a local comic book creator. Right, and it went off fabulously. And in celebration of said interview, I am cracking open. A uh, watermelon margarita beverage, just to enjoy it. I think this is the first of uh, many. I was really excited because both of us really enjoyed the comic book that uh, these creators uh, did. I think it's okay just to to name them. And if this comes out beforehand or afterward, it's okay. You're forewarned. But we had talked a couple issues or a couple episodes ago about Motor City Mo by the Three Wise Men, and we had them in studio, at least in the comic book dungeon. And despite my low-tech recording capabilities, these three guys were super cool, super nice about it, and they were awesome guests. I can oh, say yeah, unequivocally, yeah, they were the best guests we've ever had. Absolutely the best guests we've ever, we've ever had. No, they were, they were really, really awesome. I don't mind admitting, since this is the first time I've done something like this, I was a little bit uh, nervous going into it, and it's just so much good energy. Best guests. They were really good. And uh, they talked to us a lot about our projects. And I don't mind throwing some plugs out because these were really good guests. They seem like really hardworking guys. If you haven't picked up Motor City Mo, I would recommend going to their, their website, The Three Wise Men, or Google Motor City Mo comic book. It's a good book. Yeah, it's a, it's a great read. I liked it. It was nice. It was uh, earthy and gritty, you know, kind of like I like my coffee. I think all of us are... Not only just the heroes of our stories, but sometimes we're also like that loser in our stories. You know, we have the, the everything goes wrong, we work for people we can't stand, and it's nice to see a guy with superpowers has those same sort of issues. Do yourself a favor, pick up uh, Motor City Mo. it's a good book. Absolutely. We like to start off this podcast talking about whatever's going on in geek culture and what we've been reading lately. So Cruz, what has been up with you? Yeah, I've uh, I've actually been trying to visit a couple of local stops, uh, comic book shops. Uh, so uh, I went to a, not a local place for me, but it was on my way home on my long commute. 
picked up a couple of books. Right now, uh, I've read a great book called God Country, which we'll probably talk about at a later date. And I am starting through the Batman Hush story arc, along with, uh, you know, managing to get my hot little hands on a copy of Freaking Motor City Mo at the at the 11th hour before we interviewed the guys. So I had a power read through that. Geek culturized? Jeez, what else? Oh, jeez. It's been busy, man. I've probably ingested a good, in the last week or two, a good 10 or 20 episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Dude, I've been I've been inhaling it. Okay, I, I, there's other things I should be doing on my lunch break at work and while I drive. But uh, throwing on Voyager on Netflix and just kind of letting it play in the background as I'm driving has uh, has been nice because, honestly, my, my commute home is an hour and a half on divided roads that nobody fucking uses. So, like, if so long as you can stay between the lines and go the speed limit, you're fucking fine. I don't see a problem with that. And I give Voyager a lot of shit, but uh, I've just about done with my what I am going to rewatch of it. But the first several seasons were better than I remember. Yeah. Is it... It's not anywhere close to Deep Space Nine, but there's a few gem episodes in there. But uh, I think you and me have different opinions of where it jumped the shark, and it absolutely uh, did jump okay, the shark. Okay, so yeah, so I had I had texted Mark saying, okay, I think I've hit the point where Voyager jumped the shark, and it it was you know some some weird like uh, I, I'm gonna have a revenge pregnancy bullshit that happens in season two, and I, I'm I'm going to retract that statement. Because awesome. after that point, there I, I did hit a couple of really great episodes that I really enjoyed, and it, it, it seems like that that one episode I, I took issue with was just a small blip in the radar, uh, you know, a small downward blip in the quality of season two that has course corrected itself. I, I feel that every season got a little bit better to a point. And I'm not sure if I want to contaminate your uh, your experience with my... It's always funny when I'll rewatch stuff and I come away with a different opinion. And that happens uh, quite often where I'm older, I have a different perspective. No, it was about the same place that I, I cut off before. Season 4, I went in thinking it was going to be terrible. And se- the beginning of Season 4... I mean, every season has a clunker or two or shit you're like, come on. But uh-huh. so much of season four was awesome until it hits a point, and then it's it absolutely jumps the shark. It's when they meet the Herosian. The Herosian were just the laziest, worst, just half-assed concept for aliens, and the two-parter where they take over Voyager and they turn it to one big holodeck. It's a ridiculous premise. It's stupid. It's 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 called the two-parter's killing game, and for me, it's just. Every episode after that, it's it's where the ratings are down, so they're like, oh, we have to have, you know, you're 7 of 9 for the sex appeal, and every episode has to be diehard in space with no thought to how this fits together or if it's engaging plot. It just has to be an action-y, just, just who cares? It doesn't have to be intellectual. It just has to be a big action story full of quipping and uh, 7 of 9's boobs, and that's it. Season four is where it jumps off for me. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I'm probably almost on my way into season three. So we'll, we'll get over to there. In uh, other news, uh, I went to go watch what is now the fucking highest grossing opening weekend film of all fucking time. 
uh, Avengers Infinity War, which, given when this episode is probably going to drop, I won't spoil it, but it was well worth a watch if you enjoyed the MCU at this point. I really enjoyed how much of a culmination of 10 years of Marvel Studios' efforts this one film has been, and it shows. So, if you haven't seen it and you're interested in the movie universe, go watch it. It was fucking great. Try to stay spoiler-free. And the previews that are coming out are, are looking good. Have you heard about the uh, the Miles Morales uh, animated Spider-Man movie that's coming out? I have not. Uh, dude, we, we saw the... Uh, Actually, I saw it on a YouTube uh, video that was covering all of the upcoming Marvel properties. But I rented a couple of DVDs tonight, and I watched a movie with my kids. And one of the previews was for the uh, the Miles Morales animated Spider-Man movie. I think it's called uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And uh, the art style is really interesting. Um, not familiar with the Miles Morales story. So I'm interested in, in taking a look at it and talking to you about what differs in the source material. And my kids are really interested in it because it's animated and they have really started to enjoy the Spider-Man character after watching Spider-Man Homecoming with me. Yeah, he's a popular character. Anybody could make a pretty compelling argument to say he was the most popular character from the ulti- Ultimate Universe, but it was the Ultimate Universe, so that's not necessarily saying a lot. But yeah, he was quite a popular character. Well, is like a yeah. popular character. Yeah, and we're also going to go watch... Let's see, there are so many previews that went at that movie. Um, the Ant-Man and the Wasp had a preview, which was cool. Where, you know, my, my two oldest daughters and I are definitely going to go watch that. Uh, we're going to go watch Venom, of course, because why the fuck not? And I cannot wait to see the Captain Marvel movie. Yeah, they've got a lot on the horizon, movie-wise. They they do. I mean, you know, I think we're now kind of hitting phase two for Marvel slash Disney's grand plan, uh, as far as their movie universe is concerned, and... I personally feel like it's going to be about a year or two worth of, I'm not going to say prequel movies, but it's going to be, you know, like the timeline stopped at Infinity War. And I think what they're going to be doing is establishing another wave of characters and what they were doing and catching it up to that point and then continuing with the Infinity War journey. If you know what I mean. Because I know the the Captain Marvel movie is going to be set in the past, like in the 90s, whereas the Infinity War movies are supposedly kind of closer to the present. It will be interesting to see how the Marvel procuring the Fantastic Four and the X-Men for the MCU again, or having those media rights again, is going to change things up. Oh yeah, that opens up so many possibilities. There has yet to be a good X-Men movie, and it will be... As somebody who doesn't have a huge interest in the MCU, I'm interested to see how Marvel tries to incorporate the X-Men into it, especially after trying to turn the Inhumans into the new like X-Men. And I really can't wait to see what that first uh, movie's roster looks like. It's not hard to do better than Fox did, but... yeah. With 900x characters, it's it's easy to go a little bit bonkers. It will be interesting to see if they have some more restraint and uh, do it right, which the X Men have never really been done right. So, uh, dude, yeah, I mean, they okay, Infinity War, and every and this is this isn't a spoiler area here, but 
it was that was almost a three hour long movie, and it was almost hard to keep track of every single named character that they threw at you. And God, it must have had uh, yeah the budget for that movie. I don't even want to guess how much money it was just with all the fucking talent they had in there. But yeah, the, the, knowing how large the X Men universe is, and to see someone just just go ape shit with how many characters they can put in there be fucking mind-boggling man you don't have to start off with the original five x-men because i think beast and angel are not going to sell well or look you're just 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 really sell on a uh, with real people on a screen so i think you can take liberties with what x-men you want to start out with but i think they have to start out at the beginning like this is like xavier like this is my team's like first mission and i think they have to be I would say no more than six, maybe seven X-Men for that first movie. I would say five like the original would probably be the best way to go. And you can't have Wolverine that first movie. You just can't um, do it. I, I, I have to disagree. I think, okay, I think X-Men... I think that, that, that era of comic book heroes, you know, like the, the more modern interpretation of the next X-Men, and I guess I'm talking about modern as in, like, when I was a kid, so we're talking, you know, Cyclops, Rogue, freaking, uh, what's your name? Phoenix, Jean Grey, Xavier, you know, the ones that were in, like, the Saturday morning cartoon. Everyone knows their stories. To, to have to retell the origin story, I, I think most modern movie audiences are kind of tired of that. I don't think you necessarily need, like, this is Cyclops, this is my deal, but I think you need to have, like, their first mission together. Because if you hit the ground running with it, I think just the temptation to have it's it's like why don't we have fifty characters? So, but right. Do you agree with no Wolverine? I agree with no Wolverine just because I think finding a replacement for Hugh Jackman in that role is going to be incredibly difficult. People disagree with me. I don't think he was necessarily a good Wolverine. He was way too tall for the role. <laughs> and. Because if you have Wolverine, that first team, it's like, where do you go from there? Because every movie, they should never add more than two X-Men per movie. But if you have Wolverine, like, on the starting lineup, like, oh, we added Psylocke and Cannonball. Okay, that's going to make some people happy, but, like, that's nothing compared to Wolverine. Like, you have to move up to Wolverine. When I he's in the know. second or third movie, that's what's going to get people to go see it. Okay, did you see Logan? Nope. Uh, you see, I think you're thinking it. You're thinking of it from perspective of someone that hasn't really seen the more current movies. Logan, Logan was fucking awesome, dude. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about watching it. Logan was every bit what kind of a the old man Logan comic book is now. It was every bit that fucking character, and it was it was so glorious watching Patrick Stewart fucking drop fucking the f bombs so many times throughout the course of that movie. I don't but think it, he was a good Professor X. Man, I am just shitting. I we're this is <laughs> we're gonna get so many hate emails, and I understand that. I mean, if yeah, I, I, this is my opinion, and like you said, as somebody who's a curmudgeon who doesn't like the movies, so I'm just some fucker with a I don't headset. I don't think so, you're a curmudgeon, though. I think you're a purist. You, you fell in love with the source material, and that sets a really high standard, and anything less 
is not worthy of your fucking time. Is 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 my view on it as far as how I think you feel about it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's that's my view on it. You're, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like my view of it is like I read the stories that the stuff is based off of. I read it how you know the writers originally envisioned it. Right. I don't need to see it changed with, oh, we're going to substitute this guy for this guy because he tested better with audiences. Or, you know, this is how this would this, this was really meant to be. But, like, with Galactus, you'll never – I don't think you'll ever see a true comic book version of that character on the screen because a giant purple guy with a headdress trying to eat your planet, that doesn't – that would look stupid with, like, real – characters and i think that's like the big issue with the fantastic four mr like reed richard's powers even with like as we get more advanced with the cgi and whatnot it's just it's always gonna look rubbery and fake so i don't need to see this stuff like reimagined to suit modern audiences or to suit like modern sensibilities or to try to adapt a 2d thing for it to a 3d platform the original Mm -hmm. stories are enough for me I like right. the original stories. Okay, fine. You're a fucking curmudgeon. <laughs> I mean, my wife calls me like a fascist with this stuff, and I I don't disagree with that. But I mean, I don't. It's not like I look down on people who like the movies. It's just that the the comic books are what I enjoy. I enjoy how those stories were told. I love that those movies are out there because it's it's brought in so many new fans. It's right. forced some of the more uh, the mainstream companies to kind of, to confront some of their lack of diversity, and we have all these new fans coming in. Let's have exactly. characters that match. So I love that it's caused this evolution. But there's right. things that I hate about the movies too, and, and the Netflix just, shows. Oh, yeah, there's it's a guy driving on... more sales, right? Yeah, but it's like, oh, because the Punisher looks like this in the Netflix show, the Punisher in the like the series magically has to look like him now. It's just I or that like, oh, this is what the character looked like in the show. We have to have the same costume in the book now if it makes sense or not. Like, oh, this is the lineup for the movie, so we have to change the lineup in the book. That shit really. If you're getting your ideas from the comic books, the comic books then now don't try shouldn't have to try to match the the movie. It's just yeah. That annoys me. I will concur with you on that front. I, I agree. I understand. And we I think we both understand. I hate Phil Coulson. Fucking hate him. <laughs> I think we both understand that certain certain things work better in very in different forms of media. And I understand that. You know, I mean while I, I read a lot of books and I go and I always go to watch the freaking movie adaptations of a lot of the books that I, I really love. Sometimes I am disappointed by by how the silver screen just warps and, and totally, how can I say it? it, it dumbs down the source material on occasion. But when it's executed well in a, in a way that's palatable, palatable for that given media format that they're using, uh, I, I, def- I will generally applaud it if it's done well. I mean, you look at Ready Player One, you know, the book was one thing, the movie was another the movie was by far a really enjoyable experience. It, it wasn't quite the touchstone that I had with the book because they had to make it a little more relevant for modern audiences, which meant some of the cool 80s licensed freaking IPs that were in the book you couldn't you couldn't see on the big screen. But uh, I, I think I, I guess I'm more willing to since I'm not as since I'm not as familiar with the source material i should say i guess i'm a little more forgiving with the movie adaptations and they kind of help me 
catch a overarching view of the narrative of the uh, Marvel Universe through the lens of Marvel Studios and Disney's MCU that helps me kind of understand what's going on in that in that comic book universe a little bit better, even though it might slightly be warped through the lens of pop culture and uh, modern movie making. Yeah, and I mean, that's totally fair. Like I said, I, I never begrudge people who are just Marvel movie fans or who just like the, like, oh, I just like Daredevil and I don't like any of the other stuff. And it's, I like that they're engaging more and more people in more and more media formats to get these characters out there. Yeah. I don't I don't think that the comic book industry has done a particularly good job of keeping the th- the medium modern. I don't you don't see a, uh, as many kids I think today putting as much money adjusted for inflation into comic books as you would see back in the 80s or even no. the 90s and that's because of how expensive they are now, but yeah. it's they keep they, they're keeping the industry alive through bringing in all these new people because of how just ingrained in pop culture it is. So, yeah, I would never say, like, fuck the movies, I can't wait for these to fail. Because, I mean, that's the lifeline that's keeping the uh, the whole industry going. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I have kids. I have kids that like comic books. They, they're wandering from IP to IP right now because... As they're getting older, their tastes are changing. I mean, shit, I remember I was fucking buying My Little Pony comic books fucking all the time a couple years ago. And then I was getting um, Adventure Time ones. And I think now they're they're at an age where they're actually going to start taking on some of the you know Marvel comics only based on how much they enjoyed the MCU movies. So I'm... As a dad, I am so glad of that because that is one of the things that I enjoy that I really, you know, I, I, I really look forward to sharing with my kids just because I, I, I have two darling geek twins. So it's it's awesome to share that with them. They should check out the America book, the America Chavez book. It's gotten a lot of good, uh, good reviews. I went into it because I really like the character, really excited to read it. And I didn't like the first book, and then I, I tried the second one in a couple pages in, I was like, nope. But it's it's not that it's a bad book. There's been several times over the last few years where I'll start a Marvel book, and it's like, nope, there's like too much teen angst in this, or like, nope, just too much about like social media and this. And I know a lot of people have shit on those books, and it's it's not necessarily a bad book, it's just like I've come to realize, this book maybe not, it's not meant for me. Which is actually a good thing that Marvel is trying to have more books that appeal to teenagers or some that appeal to more, say, female uh, consumers. Because if every book was meant for me, like a nerdy white guy in his mid to late 30s, that's not going to inspire a lot of inclusion in your marketplace. That's not going to hook a lot of those younger or female readers. So I like they're doing more and more of these books. And I think that's why there's been so much of a pushback you've seen from some of their fans because it's it's okay if not every book is for you there's still a ton of stuff out there that is just because somebody else gets a book they like doesn't mean something's been taken from you yeah absolutely absolutely and i I really do appreciate a lot how much how how many more female leads they're incorporating into the comic books and you know i think part of it was definitely inspired by the movie industry i mean Fuck, dude! Black Panther was fucking amazing, uh, in on the big screen. 
it still blows my mind that like Wakanda is like an everyday word that like people know what that is. I never thought I'd live in a world where people knew who a rocket raccoon, a Groot, or Wakanda or would knew what Wakanda I was. Fuck do you? I've actually been talking with my wife about this shit a, a, a little bit recently uh, about how we are, uh, you know, you and I and, and our respective spouses are. Are, are kind of that weird generation that we grew up and matured with the advent of all these new technologies that we were comfortable using. Whereas, you know, our parents before us, you know, they grew up and they learned to accept said technology, but they were never really comfortable using it. You know, I mean, I bet you, you got the same shit I did where it was like, Hey boy, go fucking program the VCR clock cause power reset. And I don't know how to do this shit cause I'm an old curmudgeon. Fuck. Yep. Yeah. Same here. So, but the next generation has grown up with a fucking smartphone in their fucking face since they were two, three, four, whatever, however long it took for a said parent to figure out that this is how you distract them. And, and, and we're, we're this weird bridge generation where, yeah, we grew up at the point where the internet was becoming the internet we know today. Granted, during our teenage years, if we wanted a fucking picture of Playboy model with tits hanging out. It took us like half an hour to download it. It's, uh, everybody, <laughs> nobody call. I'm downloading a, a picture of Sydney Margolis right now. Everyone just shut up and leave me alone. Exactly. And then someone calls and you're like, oh. you're like your mom picks up the phone to call the neighbor. And you're like, mom, I'm on AOL. <laughs> or, or, or fucking, what was the one that started with a, it started with a P. I don't remember that. Prodigy. Name. Prodigy. Yeah, there was Prodigy, AOL, and then the their bastard cousin, the popular one. CompuServe, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing um, thinking about how how much has changed since since we were in that age where I, I remember I seen I saw a couple of fucking John Cleese ads for Compaq, you know, and and it was like. Where 200 megahertz was considered a really fast processor speed, you know? Yeah, I, lo- I remember, like, my first real computer, like, the one that I we could play Doom on, and it, uh, four gigs of, or four, four gigs, four megs of RAM, it mm-hmm. had a Pentium 75 megahertz chip, it had a gig hard drive, and I remember thinking, I'm like, man, there's no way I'll ever fill that up, like, wow, wow, a thousand <laughs> megabytes, I couldn't even, like, comprehend that. Yeah, back in the day of the freaking the the 1.44 high density 3.5 inch floppy disk yeah, with its 14.4 modem. Oh man, I fucking hated that thing. Ah oh, man, we're fucking old. <laughs> oh. but, uh, yeah, it's a different world, and I I love this even though. It seems like Mar- in some ways the comic book industry has done a good job trying to stay relevant, but their distribution model really hasn't like changed since the 90s, no. and I think that's what's choking a lot of the digital distribution. They really need to make this decision that it's going to piss off, like say, Diamond Distributors and some of those their other partners, but I mean, you have to make this firm digital commitment, and having like pricing that's always comparable with the paper books doesn't always make sense i think they need to uncouple from it if they're going to get kids interacting with uh with the books the way they want them to comicsology is a really good step in that direction man especially with all the flash sales i always pick up like a ton of ton of shit like they was uh 
Last week was Alien Day on April 26th, and they had a massive Comixology Dark Horse Alien sale. And I have some of the 90s comics. I have all, like, the, the novels that they made based off of them, but I bought, like, the entire omnibus set for, like, pennies on the dollar. Mm. So, speaking speaking like, of particular days, um, since I am on the Pacific Coast time, it is still May 4th, so may the 4th be with you. <laughs> we uh, we celebrated Cinco de Mayo on May the 4th be with you, so we wouldn't have to <laughs> fight the crowds. Oh, shit. Oh man. So but yeah, but that that whole track on technology I was fucking getting on with was you know, I remember when with the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies and, and being so amazed that our our comic book heroes were going to be able to come to life and then you know, not long after that in the 80s came the Michael Keaton Batman or the Tim Burton Batman flick which was fucking amazing. And, and then it kind of went downhill and it kind of became this campy thing. And, you know, then the Fantastic Four movie came out, and it, they, they kind of were okay, along with the with the Fox X-Men movies, which at the time, though, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure at the time you were like, oh, awesome, fuck it, some of my favorite heroes are coming to the big screen, and then you kind of realized as it went on, it was sort of a mild dumpster fire. It, it is the original X-Men movie that, like, tainted me on superhero movies. Uh-huh. I, was, I was so excited for that. I thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever, and I watched like half of the first movie, and I just stopped. I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then you know, you saw fucking oh man, the Green Lantern movie. Oh man, I did. That was pretty shitty. It was fucking an absolute trash heap. And, and then you had the Christopher Nolan Batman flicks, which were for me okay. Everybody loves those fucking things. I didn't. I never saw the third one. I saw the first two. Yeah, it's you and me are the only two people who don't just love those movies. They were okay. Batman yeah, they weren't Begins, bad. I, yeah, Batman Begins. I think was honestly the the best one. The second one I think was Dark Knight, and Dark Knight only for me. The, the most memorable thing about Dark Knight. Everyone, I think everyone believes this and holds this as true the most memorable thing of dark knight was heath ledger's performance as the joker which i think was a fucking gold standard uh you know it really went well with uh, the jack nicholson portrayal it was fucking fabulous i loved it christopher nolan or you know fucking you know batman was just this fucking guy that sounded like he really needed some water yeah i really really did not like the where's rachel where is she Exactly, I I hated that. I need a lozenge! Exactly. (laughs) Give me some Ludens or some Ricola. I've got a horse throat. And then there was that last Batman movie. You said you hadn't watched it. I watched it. Yeah, dude. Uh, Tom Hardy, I think, played Bane. I think Raul Julia would have been better. But he's dead, so, hey. But, uh, yeah, dude. That Bane sucked. I, I, I can't... I, dude, fuck the... She's not the hero you deserve, but the hero... He sounded like Julia fucking Childs. Yeah, that's not that's not how Bane's supposed to be. Uh, no, Bane's supposed to be this ginormous, super huge fucking... Like, if they'd have gotten Dwayne Johnson to play Bane, I'd have been okay. I got some controversial things, and I know this is going to make you real mad. I liked Superman Returns, and I liked no, Man no, of no, Steel. No, 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 Okay, no. I won't say I didn't like Superman Returns. I liked Superman Returns. I, I did. 
I liked Superman Returns. Kevin you Spacey know? was awesome in that movie, and it's that was that was when it was still okay to like Kevin Spacey. He's kind of a pariah now. <laughs> he kind of fucked some shit up yeah, across the board for himself and many people. Yep, he fucked up his image a bit. Um, yeah, uh, Superman Returns, I did enjoy. I actually think I have a copy of it on DVD somewhere in my house. Me too, because um, they were giving those away. Man of Steel. I've come to terms with Man of Steel, okay? I've come to terms with Man of Steel. I dislike that it's part of this fucking overly grim, dark DC universe that Zack Snyder and fucking whatever the hell his fucking name is are creating. Christopher, who was the director of the fucking... Wasn't it Christopher Nolan? What was the name of the actor that played him? I have no, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, because I think they're both Christopher something. Okay, so yeah, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and, and Zack Snyder teaming up for this super grim, dark DC world. I didn't like that. It, it, give me give me two minutes here. Let me see. It's been years since I've seen it. But let me... I'm not going to change your mind, but let me see if I can just maybe nudge you a little... You've already been nudged a little bit, if I can nudge you more. It okay. is not... Okay, I in some ways I can see some of the backlash, but a lot of it actually baffles me, where the one thing that DC has always been, if if you're, like I say, a DC purist, like I'm a Marvel purist, DC has always been very fluid with, say, what's canon now is not canon, uh, going to be canon necessarily in 20 years. And even in what they their, their main books, over the, the long history of, of their characters... They have had different takes on the character. They've gone from a campy Batman to a more serious Batman. They've always done that. And even outside of that, what I've always thought was cool about DC was it's great, the, the multiple dimensions, and then the Elseworlds. I love the Elseworlds books. And that is, uh, that's kind of how I looked at Man of Steel, that... With so many reimaginings and revisions of, of Superman, why isn't it fun to play with a, this is a post-9-11 security state world where, and then in that you have a guy who would struggle with the, what's my role as an, identity, uh, as an individual and eat with all these powers? Where does my rights as an individual versus the goods of the many, where does that all, like, where do those intersect? And I... That's what I think, to me, that has always been the core of, of Superman. Son of a bitch using a Rathacon fucking reference. Fuck you, man. But just, like, <laughs> Superman, when he was married to Lois Lane, and he has, like, a romantic dinner with her on their honeymoon, and somebody dies in Africa in a mining accident, that, isn't that, is that his fault? Him taking five minutes to spend that time with his wife? And somebody dies because of it. Where does his responsibility to Earth end? And having a, a Superman, a younger Superman, kind of afraid of how much to give of himself because he realizes it's never going to be enough. That's a really interesting take on that yeah. character. And I thought that that's what that. I think people went to that movie wanted to see that Christopher Reeves Boy Scout. Superman, and instead they got a thoughtful piece of, this is, if a real person, a, and a pretty good person, had those powers, how would they deal with that crushing responsibility? And his answer was kind of running away until he couldn't do that anymore. I think that's super cool, and I just think that just went over so many people's heads. No, I got, I got that aspect of it. 
I, I my my biggest complaint with Man of Steel was that he pretty much snapped Zod's neck. Which, but I've come to terms with that. Read, but how did uh, Superman before? And then, I'm not sure if this is still canon, but pre uh, Flashpoint, Superman killed Zod and like I, that. I yeah, I don't know if it's still canon or not. Like I said, I've come to terms with that. And all all the commentary you had about <laughs> all the reimagining and how he has to balance, you know, the needs of the many against the needs of the few or the one. Fuck you for doing a Rapid-Con reference. But a totally relevant one, mind you. Yeah, I, I, I caught on to those things. I just, I, I guess... I, I guess I'm saddened by the fact that the DC movies are really not performing well, and they are kind of a bit of a train wreck. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Batfleck. Um, yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, it, 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 they are kind of a bit of a train wreck, with the exception of the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie. Um, uh, that's one of the few modern hero movies I saw. I didn't hate it, but it... There were so many questionable choices there. And it's, Dude, but if you're considering this through the lens of how many fuck-ups the DC, you know, Warner Brothers has had with the DC movie universe, uh, I don't know, what are we calling it? The DCU or whatever in the MCU? Uh, considering how many bad choices have been made with the DCU and trying to integrate all the different character IPs together now, to get this whole Justice League format going, to try and emulate what the MCU has been doing by making an overarching story arc. I think in all of that, the Wonder Woman movie, yes, it, it had a couple of missteps and choices that were questionable, but it was fucking way better than anything else they put out while they were trying to knit all those stories together. She was powered by love. Fucking like, I mean, you Miss Mar or Captain Marvel's not going to be powered by love. That is the one fucking female property you have, and you have to pull that sexist shit. Well, you, you, they had a chance to be really progressive, and it was like they would go up to that line, and then they would just shy away from it at the last second. I, it's like right. my dog who's afraid to, like, she won't jump in my car. She'll act like it, and she's about to, and she'll stop every time. That was <laughs> every bold choice that Wonder Woman was going to make. They did that, and then they would just back the right, like, just the fuck back down. I really right. wanted to like Wonder Woman, and I was real disappointed. Right. I, I, and I, I could understand that. I, I could only say that the only other time they tried having a female protagonist lead in a DCU movie it was Halle Berry as Catwoman. Yep. And I still haven't watched it. I'm going to watch it just because I feel like abusing myself. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, everything I've ever heard about it, it is, it is the most giant fucking dumpster fire of suck that there has ever been on the screen that had a DC character in it. Do you, do you want to double down on that? Okay. Play the Xbox game based off of Halle Berry's Catwoman. Oh my god, you're a horrible person. Why would you do that to me? I'm just helping you reach your goals. <laughs> you just need to follow your dreams. Oh, uh, yeah. You're, you just need to be powered by love. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I know we're, we're running super long, and that's oh, okay. Yeah. It's bit, I had fallen off reading comics for a while, and particularly it had been several months since I read a Marvel comic, and even then I was behind. 
I was about 13 months behind, and I updated like my Marvel Unlimited app, and when I started reading again about a week ago, I was over 500 books behind just in Marvel. Holy shit. And uh, I'm down to under 440 now as of this recording, but I plan to keep uh, updating the listeners because I want to get that. I'll be happy when it's under 50, but Marvel Civil like, Civil War 2 broke me. It was fucking terrible, and it was worse than I thought, and the X-Men books had sucked for, for years. And I can't tell you, I, I, I'm finally, I finally read X-Men Gold number one, it wasn't the best thing I've ever read, but it was pretty fucking good. It's been the it was the best X Men book hands down in years. Uh, X Men Blue, fucking blue. It's <laughs> but and it, I like Colin Bunn, but I mean it's I hate those original five time displaced X Men. I fucking hate them. And now they confirmed like they can't go back. They need to shunt them to a side universe. I don't know anybody who likes them. And this is how you know Marvel ran out of ideas with the X-Men. Did you know, like, two years ago, there were three different Angel characters. Two, uh, a- two Iceman, two, uh, two, two Iceman, and uh, three Angels. So we had two, I guess, Icemen, and then three Angels. Yes, because everybody knows those are the most popular X characters. There were two Cyclopses, but they're down to one. But, of course, it's the emo teenager, one that nobody likes. But yeah, I mean, three angels. That's when you know that you've run out of good storytelling ideas. So I'm pleasantly surprised. It looks like they're tri- they're, they might be getting the X-Men books in order. I really liked gold. Except for that the mansion's now in Central Park for reasons. But uh, Moon Knight, I kept up with more or less. I really liked uh, Scarlet Spider. I, I like a lot of stuff that, that Marvel's doing. And it's... But I keep falling off. I don't know. It's always... I really like a lot of the independent stuff that Dark Horse does, and I'm trying to stay up with a lot of the indie stuff. Like I said, I fell off for a little bit. But yeah, Marvel sometimes can be real hit or miss for me now. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you up to date with Spider-Man, or are you still way behind? Yeah, I mean, everything... I, some issues I left off with, say, Spring or Summer. So with Spider, the Amazing Spider-Man, um, I had read the clone conspiracy as it came out and that was fucking amazing i am a little i'm still a lot behind with spider-man i'm where he's going to like he meets silver sable again so this is still because marvel unlimited always runs six months behind and if i really like something i don't do it off of marvel unlimited i buy it to support it but so many marvel books for a while i realized i was buying shit for years waiting for it to get good again i uh I was pleasantly surprised with some stuff. Like, I really liked Infamous Iron Man, and the sister book to that was Ironheart, and I was not looking forward to read that. That I had a bunch of issues that I bought that had stacked up, and I flew through those. Those were actually surprisingly, amazingly good. I didn't think I was going to like that character, and she's so well-written, she's really likable. Like, she's a teenage girl who an AI of Tony Stark who's helping her. Her best friend and stepfather were killed in, like, Chicago, like, uh, gang violence. Really, really well-written. It's better than it has any right to be, and I, I hope she sticks around. Mm. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Silver Sable. Did, uh, did you hear about production on a... I think they're calling it Silver and Black. It's going to be Silver... It's a, it's a movie for Silver Sable and, uh, I believe, is it Black Cat? Yes. 
Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I I'd say production loosely. It, it hasn't quite started, but it's, it's reportedly in the works. That's gonna as suck. far as I know. Eh, I'll they, watch it. I don't care. They should just stick with Silver Sable, and that's you know she's a mercenary, so you have all these excuses. I mean, I think she can carry a series on her own. Her right. and uh, uh, her her group of mercenaries just going to all these different corners of the Marvel U. I think that would be successful if done well. Right, and apparently, you know, like I said, I'm not familiar with the character too much. I know she's like sometimes friend, sometimes foe to Spider-Man. Yeah, it, I mean, it's she's a merc, so sometimes they're on the same side, and sometimes he she's on what he would consider the wrong side. Uh-huh. That sounds interesting. So yeah. I, again, I have a lot to go through, but I've been reading, like I said, in the last week to two weeks, I've read probably a hundred comic books, so I'm getting there. Jeez. That's impressive. I've never watched, except for the first episode of Star Trek Enterprise, and about a month ago, I decided I would, maybe 50, after 15 years, it's time to give that a shot. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm halfway through the first season of Enterprise. How is it? It's not, I mean, I, I was quite an unreasonable asshole for how much animosity I, no show could be as bad as I had painted it in my head. So I was had a quite an irrational hatred of it. So now that I'm actually trying to give it a fair shot, I just try to tell myself this isn't necessarily the same dimension that, say, the other shows are in. And keeping that in mind, it's not great. And many, I would say most of the episodes are pretty mediocre. There have been a few that I've liked better than others. The thing that I, and I, it doesn't seem like most people agree from what I've read online, Scott Bakula is by far the worst part of that series for me. Oh, really? Because he's so fucking... He comes off as incompetent. And I know, like, he doesn't have, like... He's the first Deep Space Captain, so he doesn't have a lot of knowledge to pull from. But it's just... He plays the character like he's sleepwalking through it. And he's just so... They try to play him kind of as a Kirk, where he's like, Oh, you think he's going to be sneaky and devious? And he's, like, larger than life? But he really just bumbles through situation to situation. And a lot of the shit they go through is just because he's a moron who won't listen to uh, uh, his Vulcan science officer. And he's just... He's like... Did you ever watch Matlock? Yes. Where Matlock would pretend to be incompetent and then come up with like a, a solution? Well, I don't know what's going on. I'm just a country lawyer. I don't know how this could be true if you said this and then this. That's exactly... He's like Matlock the captain. <laughs> okay that's a great image <laughs> gee uh Tuck I don't uh, know how the warp engine works but uh if we did this and then this and please Cleons please don't shoot my ship and it's just oh I just gotta shrug my shoulders at the end of the day cause I really don't know what I'm doing I mean that's but I mean it's it's not it's not the worst and I I'm comfortable moving forward. And I'm actually surprised some of the characters I actually really like. Like Dr. Plox. On paper, I thought I was going to fucking hate that guy. He looks annoying as shit. And I enjoy him immensely. And uh, Trip, the engineer, I, I enjoy him. So most of the characters, like Lieutenant Reed, seems pretty cool. I just It's pretty much everyone but the captain. Okay. Ensign Travis annoys me. I'm blanking on the language officer, like the communication officer. She's all right. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's everything in that show, though. It's sad because it's like a missed opportunity. 
you see where they were going with it, and it's such a cool idea, but they could have done everything so much better. Right, right. So all I can see is the potential not realized. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think that's all I have. I, I, I <laughs> went an hour on the What You've Been Doing segment, but yeah, we, I think we're good. <laughs> but hey, we always say, this is going to be a short one. And we always have the best expe- or best intentions. We knew this one was going to run along. We both had a lot of oh, shit yeah. to talk about. I mean, yeah. I've read like a hundred fucking comic books. Yeah, well, yeah, we know. Like, like, like I said earlier, yeah, just the tip. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you want to yell at us for wasting your guys' time with shit that you don't care about and you're too lazy to fast-forward to the main event, email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com and let us know how angry you are you we wasted your time on the elliptical not talking about the shit that you wanted to. Exactly. Or DM us on uh, on Instagram at uh, comicbookdungeon uh, at, on Instagram or, uh, or follow us, too. We're gaining traction. Or... Leave us a five-star review, but since you're kind of pissed at us, make it real snarky and sarcastic. And we'll read it on the air. Yeah, and I will even try to have those inflections. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So are we ready for the main event? I'm going to throw a piss and then edit out that I said I'm going to throw a piss. All right, let's uh, take a brief moment to hear from our sponsors and use the restroom, and then uh, when we get back, we'll uh, continue the show. Yes. All right, I'm back. Yes, as am I. All right. I I have a pretty short distance to the pisser, so I think I have a slight edge on you. Yeah, I believe you do, because uh, I have to to traverse the super empty, uh, super quiet, everybody's fucking sleeping house with the dog who thankfully is used to the sound of my voice and with her giant fucking ears can hear me talking. So she's not barking, which I'm really grateful for because normally if someone's kind of walking around and she doesn't know who it is, she freaks the fuck out. And like that dog, I don't know if you've ever heard my dog bark. She sounds like she's going to fucking rip her own vocal cords out. I think I heard every sound that dog could possibly make on the last episode, which is why I'm intimidated to uh, to start editing it. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I, I think I a situation that works in the uh, spider arena, and one that I think potentially is going to stay relatively comfortable through the summer. So I think we'll be good there. And I think maybe next winter I will probably buy... Either I'm going to buy another space heater or I'm going to take the one that I have up in Tatch be out and fucking bring it down and, nice. and tell those guys they need to fucking get their own space heater because uh, I need something to keep me warm out here. Uh, That's a basic human right. Exactly. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fucking good heat. But yeah, I mean, right now, dude, it's almost cold because yeah, I've got the garage door cracked. I've got a fan cycling in cool air from the outside. I've got some additional lights strung up so I can see the wolf spiders when they come for me. <laughs> and they will. And they will. Trust me. It's not. I don't think it's quite yet, but I think once it gets a little bit hotter, they're going to start coming in. And I think before then, I need, to, I need to definitely clean up this place a little bit more. I feel bad. I feel this was kind of fun, and we didn't have a definite we were back from the piss break. So I'm not sure if, how, 
if I can put this in the episode or if I do, if I'm going to get a, like a phone call from my mom yelling at me because we talk too much about us going to the bathroom and that I shouldn't call it a quote-unquote pisser. Uh, whatever. Throw it in there. Or, th- or cut it and throw it in the, uh, throw it in the uh, outtake section at the back. It always sucks when I cut something, but then we talk about it like later. Like, oh, uh, it was a portion that had to get cut. And I'm like, how do I rectify this? It's like Sophie's Choice. Uh-huh. It, it is uh, heavy is the head and the heart of an editor, I yeah, we need, say. We need an intern. Let's fucking get a Patreon, start an LLC, and uh, eventually if we get enough freaking people uh, donating on Patreon, we can get an editor. The, the problem with, with us setting up a patron or a Patreon is we haven't had a lot of listener feedback. We actually just tonight, right before we started recording, got our first email that was non-t-shirt related ever. And actually, things have been so dry lately, we actually hadn't gotten email scam, like Nigerian email scam for like three weeks. I was actually real wow. disappointed because I love getting those. <laughs> You know, it'd be really great if you got a Wakandan email scam. <laughs> many greetings. I would like to fill your your bank account with many boons and vibranium. <laughs> I am Prince T'Challa. Honorable from, sister from Wakanda. <laughs> I am the honorable sister to Prince T'Challa. Many thousands of greetings of tidings and good luck to you. Uh, if you just email us your bank account information, we will help. We will, we will wire a million dollars to you in value for this vibranium mine that we wish to uh, dig. Yeah, we should write that. We should write a Wakandian e- or a Wakandan um, email scam. A spoof one. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Fuck. If you guys want to hear that, you got to give us some feedback and let us know. Because I don't know if we talked about this on the air. We have been getting a shit ton of downloads lately. And I've, I, we've actually gotten a little bit of buzz of people on in social media in some places talking about the show. So I know there's people listening. It's just we ask a lot of listener questions. We ask for a lot of listener feedback. We haven't gotten a lot of that yet. So now is the time. The time is now. Yeah, yeah just trust me. Trust me, please trust me. I guarantee you will be featured. I'm going to add a caveat to that. If you write in and tell us your white supremacist theories and then okay, talk no, about no, how no, much okay. we suck, you, we will not read you on yeah, the air. Yeah, or if we yeah. do, it will be to make fun of you. Because we yeah. quash uh, uh, um, alternative viewpoints here. Because that okay. is our yeah our privilege. Yeah. yeah, you can tell us how much we suck. Feel free. I'll actually but, probably read that on the air. Yeah, to be I'll, honest would, with yeah, you. Yeah, I would gladly read how much we suck on the air. Uh, but I mean, here you come at me with some fucking the, the the South will rise again bullshit. I'm going to tell you to go fuck off. Yeah, there will be plenty of go fuck yourselves. Yeah, we but, hand them around freely here. If you want to just write in to talk to us about what you've been reading or what your favorite Star Trek is or who your favorite Star Trek captain is or answer any of the other reader questions that we've asked, please do. I will read it. It doesn't matter that that episode is six months old. I'll read it because we haven't had a lot of those responses yet. Or you can talk about DC and Star Wars. Yeah. There's there's more you can talk about that uh, or write in that we'll talk about on the air. There's more things that, that will fall in that category than fall out of that category. Exactly. It's a big basket. Aim for it. 
Yeah, I'm sure you'll do great. And if okay. not, we'll laugh at you. It's a win exactly. and win for everyone. Exactly. Somebody's going to be entertained out of it, so feel free. Yeah. Speaking of entertaining, you have a very interesting, very entertaining red-haired hero that uh, I guess we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, this is very exciting, because I think this is the first issue in forever that we both agreed on. Ah, uh, see. Okay. Let's this is, it. and this is actually a very important issue in, uh, in comic book history, and I've been waiting for this one to come up, and I cannot wait to get to that point. Oh, uh, there's so much good stuff in here. I laughed, I cried, I died a little inside. It was amazing. I did, but not in that order. I wasn't being specific about the order. <laughs> okay, let's do this, man. Let's do this. I it's like jazzed. we have an aversion. We both love this, but we just we we haven't jumped in. I'm just going to jump fully in. This Fuck is yeah. Amazing Adventures 31, the July. Bleh, I'm sorry. This is Amazing Adventures 31. This is the July 1975 issue with a cover price of a solid 25 cents. Yes, a quarter, featuring the one. The only Kill Raven, Warrior of the Worlds, and finally, after so much cock teasing, we get the frenzy in the future, the day the monuments shattered. I mean, how long have we been telling you this was supposed to happen? How long were they yeah, leaving? This has felt on? like the never ending story, right? I know. I've got a case of comic book blue balls from hell waiting for this <laughs> moment. I don't doubt that because we were promised this three times. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's like Lucy and the fucking football, dude. They they hurt us so many times, but it's because we believe that we let them hurt hurt us. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, this is it. This is the this is the day the monument shattered. This it even says this is it on the cover. It's the frightful fate of the fear master Adelon. They had to put that on there for how many times they lied to us. Exactly, they had to give us a little bit, you know. So. But- if they told any more lies, they'd be named uh, uh, Sarah. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, we both went the same way, but I was going with uh, Sarah Huckabee Huckleby Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. Oh, the one that burns facts and makes the perfect smoky eye out of the ashes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure she listens. So this is going to be devastating to her oh, that we're also attacking. If her. she listens, it has the same look on her face as she did at the White House correspondence dinner. I would be so happy. I'm going to go to bat for her. She only has one look. So that's just how she always looks. <laughs> what, the look that I'm lying through my teeth? Okay. Ah. Oh, God. So, I told myself I'd stay off that topic. Stay off topic? Stay off topic? No, no, no. Stay off that topic. So... <laughs> This is a good cover. We've got Kill Raven in the uh, the foreground, and he's standing on. It's either a frozen cliff or it's a cliff made out of paper mache. Not sure which. I'm saying paper mache. That would be fun. And standing is being generous. Oh, he looks like he's sliding to home. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's perfect. He looks like he is sliding to home. He uh, he's being messed with by uh, what were they called? These are the death. Let me flip through my notes. Death trackers. Death track. Okay, there's a theme here. You know, we had death breeders, we had death bird, we got death trackers. I like that they can say consistent. Yeah. But what a death tracker is, it looks like a robotic winged dragon, 
but the dragon has a bunch of tentacles coming out of it, and it has a crazy, cartoony kind of face. Dude, yeah, it looks like a fucking dodo bird. It actually reminded me a little bit of the character from uh, Marvel's Excalibur series, Widget. He's a robot, he looked kind of weird, that's where the similarities end, I don't know, but it reminded me of that. But yeah, this this Death Tracker is grabbed onto Killraven, and we see he's in front of, it's at night, this is at night, he's in front of a moon, and we see several other Death Trackers coming, flying in, flying towards Killraven. Oh, and we also see the one, the only Sacrificer standing there, cheering him on. Yeah, he looks quite triumphant with his bladed arm in the in the air, and just looks quite uh again quite like he's enjoying things in his San- almost Aquaman costume. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I thought the same thing too. He definitely has an Aquaman esque outfit. Yeah, it's it's just different enough not to get sued. Right, right. And uh, again, we're having the the no top banner, which is great. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yes. I know it's a pet peeve of yours, and it's definitely a pet peeve of mine as well. I, I, I really appreciate that. They they got rid of that, that banner across the top because it took away from the real estate that you can use for the art. And they even have, like, the Death Tracker's wings kind of overlapping the, the Warrior of the World subtitle underneath the big headliner, Kill Raven. This is a great cover, and I love the look on Kill Raven's face. He's angry, and you can tell he's fighting back, but he also has almost like a what-the-fuck look because this thing attacking him is so surreal-looking. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It, 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 he looks like I looked when the wolf spider attacked me. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Man. I wonder if that spider knew he was creating podcast gold. I know. I don't know if he was, but I'm sure all his cousins will be coming eventually. They're gunning for you. As we jump into this issue, I'm going to get to the creative team in a second. Let me just ask you one question. Don McGregor has always been a little bit heavy-handed with some of the, like, the exposition and comparing, like, the old world with the future world. It seemed like he just took that ball and ran all the way around this issue. Yeah. I guess that wasn't a question, but... It's nice that you agree. I wholeheartedly agree with you. This was definitely a very exposition-laden intro. Uh, I I think they got rid of the... They they weren't so heavy-handed with it. I think what we do see in this issue, along with uh, McGregor's uh, trademark narration, I think this was a really dialogue-heavy issue. It took me forever to take notes on, and it seemed yet to be a much... a very text-heavy issue. Yeah. But... Just so you guys know, we're not just complaining to complain. This first panel literally takes place at as planets are forming in our galaxy. That's how far back he went with the exposition. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, he goes on and describes creation of suns, moons, life forms, and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, comparing the creation of life as a constant and saying that the, the only partner to that constant is death. What that has to do with anything on the front two panels is beyond me. But That was the exact same thought <laughs> as well looking <laughs> well, at this. I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I am glad that we're in agreement, but uh, uh, let's, uh, let's give credit where credit's due to the uh, creative team here. Right. This is writer Don McGregor, artist Craig Russell, letterer I... Watanabe, colorist P. Goldberg, and editor, again, is Len Wein. Uh, Mr. Watanabe, hats off to you on this issue, because 
you had your hands full. <laughs> Not like he's going to yes. hear this. He, he definitely put in a lot more work than I think most most letters <laughs> do in a book. This was very text-heavy. So here we are, you know, uh, after the second panel, you've got a, a little bit of a text blurb underneath it. The day the monument shattered, which we've been freaking promised for so long. And a little, a little, little subtext for you, so it kind of gives you the uh, the context of where we're at. Uh, the focal point here is Gary, Indiana, in April of 2019. Yes, it's a little unclear exactly how much time, if any, has transpired from last issue to this a- issue, but it seems like if it's not immediately afterward, it's close to it. I would say it's it's. Pretty close to it. I, I I know they've been on the run, but yeah, I guess it's been a solid uh, a solid long term pursuit. Yes. Since the events of Deathbirth. Yeah. They. If you guys don't remember, last issue they freed all the Adam and Eves. They blew up Deathbirth, and then they had a crazy flight away from Adelon and the Sacrificer. And they got away, but the biggest unanswered question was if the snow skimmers could fly. And we see several of them in this issue, and every time I think I had answered that question, there would be a different panel that would confuse me. So that's still the unanswered question I have, is if the snow uh, skimmers can fly. I am going to say, undoubtedly, the answer is no. I will, I'm not disagreeing with you, I will show, that's also the conclusion that I have reached, but I will show, I will, when we get there, I am going to comment on things that have, uh, that made me question that slightly. Okay. Can I just, so, this first panel, pretty cool picture of Killraven in the foreground, he's holding a weapon, and this is one of the first times we don't get a cool nomenclature for it, <laughs> behind them is a volcanic ash and she looks like she's dying of either radiation poisoning or leukemia. Yes. Behind her, behind her is Camilla Frost. And then in the rear in the foreground, or in the background, I'm sorry, we have Mashula. And he's studying a part of a golden arch. Yes, he is. And I'm not sure if they thought they were, they were being clever here, but it was very obvious from the get-go that this was, you know, the McDonald's part of it, part of the golden arch, part of the, a McDonald's golden arches really yeah you know what i uh, i first i was wondering where the fuck they were because i was thinking this was the arch in st louis because at no point did they specifically show two arches no I, yeah, in the beginning that's what confused me because it i thought the rest of it had been destroyed yeah but then they kept calling it the arches exactly and i'm like that's weird but then at the end you see the whole thing yeah. i'm glad i'm not the only one no you're not the only one i mean I've... yeah we're mud brothers because we're different <laughs> but we got the same conclusion <laughs> that's right mud brother yeah i mean i it, it took me probably until i was a little bit past halfway in where i realized holy shit that's fucking mcdonald's of all places Oh, and uh, fun fact, okay, so Death Birth was in Chicago, right? Yes. Gary, Indiana is only 32 miles away. So yeah, this is later that night, but uh, we don't know how long it took them to get there. But okay, this is why I thought, it, it was almost like they were trying to keep that a secret that this was the McDonald's Arches, but if you go to page two, it says... The Martians hadn't attacked the planet Earth in the year 2001. It is probable that fast food chains and soft drink manufacturers would have continued to assure Terrans to the beat of theme songs that everything in America was okay. 
and then this is cool. Soundtrack visiboards on the side of the Transbelt conveyor systems would have continued to merrily sing their jingles. So I like that we got another weird piece of technology. Apparently they had, like, Muralphonic fucking billboards that would sing songs. So I thought they were telling uh, us here specifically that this was McDonald's. I am figuratively kicking myself in the fucking head for not catching that tiny bit of foreshadowing. I can't. I honestly cannot believe I totally fucking missed that. I am really confused on this page because look at that second panel. We three so we see three silhouettes under the golden arch, and we see his serpent stallion right there. Yeah, but he is not. Re- he's never seen. It's never seen again. This issue, and it's never mentioned that it's there. And it seemed pretty improbable for where we left off that he would ever. Like, he would have to chase after them to catch up. So I remember I'd said he's gone forever, and I went on a big tangent about it, and you said maybe not necessarily. So at this point, I'm like, man, I owe Cruz a Coke, but I'm not entirely sure that's not a mistake. I I don't know. And it's several pages until Grok is seen or mentioned, and the entire time I'm like, what the fuck is going on with Grok? And he's just, like, dropped until they're arbitrarily like oh yeah carry him up here yeah and so it's really weird continuity in some of these panels maybe grok's the stallion he can like transform by these powers combined i don't know uh maybe, maybe he's not. a groktobot maybe maybe not um yeah he's a groktobot okay he's a groktobot We'll, we'll leave. Yeah. We'll leave this, uh, given given how much other fascinating technology they've got, I think that's possible. Okay. So yeah. So that's that's where we where we're starting off. That there's some. I think the the issue was a bit confused with how much they wanted to let on early on, how much of the arch was still there, and where the hell all of our principal characters were when this was all going on. Right. Because here's the thing that that got me. And this is why I, I kept getting confused as to exactly what particular arch it was, because really, it was just now that I saw they had the subtext that said that they were specifically in Gary, Indiana. So my mind saw these arches, and I kept thinking of the freaking arch at St. Louis for some ungodly reason. Even no, though that's- I did that. I did that too, and I had to keep reminding myself that it was Indiana. Right. Yeah, I totally missed it. We were in Indiana. So looking at it, the way they draw. The, the arch, it totally, it, it's not scaling consistently, and it's fucking with my head. Yeah, they did not do a good job. Again, that's something, like you said, it's not scaled, and it's not until later on that we see that the other arch is there, but every time we saw it in the beginning of the issue, we only saw the one arch. Yeah, the partially and then they just one. And they kept just calling it the arches, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. But then when we later, we come back to it, we see that they're both there. Exactly. They, they don't give you the second one until the end. And I think if they'd have fucking, if they'd have given us the second one right at the beginning, everyone would have known exactly what it was right from the get-go. I'm glad that you had a lot of the same issues, because at one point I'm like, man, I feel kind of stupid, because it doesn't seem like, maybe I'm overthinking stuff, but yeah, it's it's just things didn't seem to flow very well. Yeah, it, it, it had a couple issues with the flow. I mean, there are so many great landmark events in this particular issue, but I think the pacing was kind of stutter-stepping its way from one pivotal moment to the next. And a big issue for me was, like, where we see, like I pointed out in this panel, it's it, and how it's 
pages before we see what happens to Grok, there'll be like an action scene and it's like somebody won't be there for like no reason and it's like a page later like oh I was just over here and even though I could see what was going on I didn't help for an unexplainable reason Right. there's just a lot of that they're like focusing on one or two characters and the rest are just unexplicably like gone right so anyways our merry band of freemen are still on the run from Adelon and Sacrificer, and the, what were they called, the, uh, the Deathbringers of Deathbirth. There, yeah, there's the Deathbreeders, yeah. and then the Crucible Guardians. Right, and the Crucible Guardians. Guardian! Yes. Eyes up, Guardian. <laughs> Wrong one. Oops, sorry. So, yeah, they're still on the run. They're, they're, they're being pursued pretty heavily. Kill Raven, and God, there's so much Kill Raven character development here. Uh, Kill Raven decides it's it's time for a short halt. They need to take a break, and uh, apparently Eve thirty thirty one is finally getting ready to deliver. That is my favorite line of the the issue because finally's in bold. Yeah. So do you know how sarcastic you have to be for your speech to actually be bold like that? <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. That's a lot of snark for one sentence. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kill Raven's definitely feeling a little snarky and a little salty. It's been like three years that she's been threatening to drop this kid. This is going to be a toddler by the time she spits it out. <laughs> kid came out speaking already, okay? With a full <laughs> exactly. So yeah, they're, where they're taking they're 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 taking shelter uh, in, in, underneath this broken arch that is how do they describe it? It's a monument, they say. Yes. And it stabs to the moon as if the two. So they do mention that there are two of them immediately are complementary through Abstract Park, though Abstract Park's an incomprehensible cosmic event. So there's this golden arch that they take shelter under. And that's where you see the freaking <laughs> the serpent's down in silhouette. Yeah, never to be seen again. Maybe it died and its ghost is haunting Kill Raven Maybe. for causing its death. Maybe. So as you're taking shelter, there apparently is another sound, and there's these flying shapes that come down, and Mashula, Mashula and Kill Raven were having their back and forth previously, and Kill Raven was basically saying, hey, you know what, it's time for Eve to pop. And also, I'm tired of fucking running from these douchebags. Well, Mashula's basic statement is, well, you might be having to make a stand sooner than you thought, buddy. Yeah, Kill Raven's trying to call like call that short halt. M- Mashula reminds him that if we stop here, this is where we're going to end up fighting them. And he's both him and Kill Raven are like, yep, that if this is where we have to have our battle with the sacrificer, we'll fortify, let him come. We'll, this place is as good as any. And then, yeah, we get the Death Trackers swooping in, and they don't look any less cartoony yeah. uh, in, the, in the the book than they did on the cover. They almost look downright fucking cute, you know? I, yes. I mean, with a name like Death Tracker, you want to say it like a metal voice, you're like, Death Tracker! But really, they just, they, they have this whimsical, almost cartoony appearance at first. They're bug eyes. They're, it's like, and they have antenna. It's like they're, they're, it's like they're trying to make them. Adorable. Oh my god! I know what they look like. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the old Spy versus Spy comics? Yes. That's what their faces look like. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Put a little white hat or a black hat on them. Perfect. They match. I could see that. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, these death trackers come in and hawk. Uh, Hawk is uh, quick, uh, quick with a keen eye. Hawk says, uh, "We've got some trouble here." 
kill Raven. Uh, they start with the quipping immediately. You know? He's like, ah, that's an understatement. Yep, and this is we'll, we'll see throughout this issue. Somebody definitely hit shit in Hawk's fucking rations because he's an asshole this entire issue. He's like the new Kill Raven. He is. Well, I mean, I think that character arc's been coming though because he he's been. Oh, this, they've been building it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there is not one comment that he makes this issue that is just not dripping with sarcasm or anger or animosity. He's like the angry teenager. We we see the the death we said the death trackers attack and we see that they we learn that they're called death trackers and because of their big cartoony eyes they have video transmitter video transmitters because when this was written they had no idea that fiber optics would be able to have like pinhole size cameras so they'd have to have these big seventies units but yeah that's what they're not only can they attack but they're also used to report back say a target's whereabouts. Death trackers. Right, so they they are attacking now, and uh, yes. a, they're equipped to attack. They've got these freaking metal tentacle deals, uh, razor sharp teeth. Yeah, big ass teeth. Yeah, re- really big ass teeth. And uh, immediately, uh, one of them seeks to bury said teeth in Kr's neck. Yep, it just it grabs him, slams him to the ground, and bites into his neck. Do you think he's a wear death tracker now? <laughs> Potentially, it was a full moon after all. Exactly, you saw where this was going. But uh, Hawk, vigilant as ever, oh so vigilant, Mister Hawk. Uh, let's call it a laser pistol of some sort, a photonic it- blaster, if you want to get really seventies uh, with it. And uh, he he shoots said death tracker off of Kr. Even he severs the neck pretty much, blows its head off. And not only does he shoot it off Kill Raven, but he doesn't waste any time pointing out that this is all Kill Raven's fault. If he hadn't decided to protect Adam and Eve and bring them along, this never would have happened, in his opinion. And I so not only did, yep, he he saves Kill Raven, but at the same time is a bitch who throws the pregnant woman under the bus. Yeah, exactly. What kind of douchebag is that? You're not going to win uh, uh, the most popular in the camp tonight with that sort of attitude, and it just gets like worse from here. Right, so then, and it, it took a second, it, it took getting to the last panel of the page to realize it, but there's a text blurb that's like, hey, they travel as a group, these three men, but they act as individuals, and it's giving you different viewpoints of, of the battle. You know, Carmilla's there, she's she's calling out a warning to Mishula, Old Skull's there, freaking pounding some shit, and I think they're trying to convey that these things are not only attacking, they're also sending their video signal off to somewhere else and reporting on what's going on. I believe that the one that Camilla Frost is shooting, is it was the one attacking Mashula. It's not really clear. I, in my mind, it could go either way. Old Hawk, he just takes one by the neck and smashes it against a rock. Yep. And like you said, they're trying to convey that this thing has a camera inside it. And like any futuristic camera that we use today, the sounds it makes is whirr, click, whirr, click, whirr. Right. Because again, this was a very analog age this was written in, and they would have no idea that we would have, say, video cameras that didn't sound like cameras in 1970. Exactly. Which takes us to the next page. And we catch up with our good buddies. The absolutely not Toxic the Avenger looking Adelon, the Fear Master. And the man that can only jerk off with his left hand. 
the sacrifices. I got a totally different vibe off this page. You got something comedic? These are two men in a life-changing journey. They're reenact on motorcycles, but flying motorcycles. This is Easy Rider. Oh, uh, really? I, I thought this was like a really much more funny version of Thelma and Louise, and I was just waiting <laughs> for them to jump off a cliff. And no, man, it's uh, Henry Fonda and Dennis Hopper. All right. Well, yep, they are riding their sky cycles, that is for sure. Apparently, uh... Apparently, Adelon is not the best Sky Cycle pilot because, uh, or wait, is it Fearmaster? It's it's, it's Sacrificer. Uh, yeah, Sacrificer. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, he's got a blade for one fucking arm. Okay. <laughs> How do you well, expect him to manage throttle and brakes and all that stuff when, when he's only got one arm he can use? Well, he was doing pretty good, but he got distracted. Be- and this just seems like a bad idea. There's like TV screens on their Sky Cycles. So he was watching a feed from the uh, death trackers, and that's how he got distracted. That just seems like a really bad design, right? I'm just thinking about the irony because I'm talking about watching fucking Voyager and Netflix on my way home while I'm driving. Well, yeah, don't almost hit Adelon on your way home because that's a fear. Exactly. Apparently he doesn't care for that too much. So yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're cruising along. Uh, Sacrificer sees something on his feed. Adelon's just an outrageous little bitch, and you, you see in the front there's the uh, the Death Breeders that are uh, taking a snow skimmer and trying to pull it out of the mud, implying that it is in fact the surface vehicle. Hold on, hold on. If you got a, say this had like a vertical takeoff, it could be so stuck in the mud it would burn out the engines pulling it out. So I agree with you. This most likely indicates it cannot fly, but it does not necessarily rule it out. What it does show is how incompetent their leadership is that they allowed this vehicle to 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 get in the circumstance. I mean, this is 2019, yeah, yeah. and you have two skeleton guys pushing and two guys pulling on a rope. I mean, this is this is not in a in a world of singing billboards. And jets and sky lifts, you would think they'd have a, something a little bit better than that. Right, you would think they'd and, hook up a toe strap to the two sky cycles and freaking pull it out. And the only thing Adelon is worried about is that he didn't he doesn't want to get too close because he might get some mud on his costume. And, man, Sacrificer is losing his shit because, I mean, they lost the death, uh, the, uh, the death birth. Kill Raven humiliated them with his escape. Okay. Now the uh, death trackers they sent, they uh, they destroyed them, and their vehicle is stuck in the mud. I mean, he is just he is wallowing in Adelon's incompetence, and he is not enjoying it. No, no, no. Sacrifice is definitely not very thrilled, or pleased, or happy at all with the situation. There's a contest who's more miserable this issue, Hawk or Sacrificer, and I'm not sure who wins. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, they're, they're not having a good time. And you see, basically, uh, the feed that uh, Sacrifice are so distracted by in a minute here. Yeah, he... he God, that's a lot of text. Yes. Jeez. This page is just half word bubbles. Yeah, this this page is literally like fifty percent word bubbles. I mean, they are going back and forth about how uh, how God, they're just having a bitch session, basically. Sacrificer sees himself as an artist serving the the Martians' culinary needs. 
like he is a Michelin star. He's like the Michelin star chef of cooking babies. And Adelon only sees him as a butcher. This is something that I have a question on. Okay. Adelon says that they'll find the free men within that within the hour, and that he'll, uh, they'll choke on their own blood before Adelon grants them the release of death. How is he going to kill them with that much blood and not get any on his cos or on his uniform? Because everything I know about him is if he got a drop of blood on his on his uniform, he would have the biggest hissy fit. Yeah. Absolutely. So this seem it seems like an unrealistic goal unless he's just gonna be supervising. I think from he, a safe he's distance. gonna be supervising from a safe distance with a splash screen in front of him. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got like a Gallagher poncho on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Um, yeah, dude, he's... Yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're doing the standard villain talk, basically. Yeah, we do a lot of cutting around this issue. We always do, but I think a little bit more so than normal. Yeah. We, uh, back on page seven, we, uh, we rejoin Kill Raven and Volcanic Ash, and this is one of my favorite uh, scenes in the book. He's, he's walking around, and he still has the head of the Death Tracker clumped on his neck. <laughs> Great, man. And so he's trying to figure out how to get it off, and he's, like, warning Volcanic Ash not to do anything too rash. And without any warning, she just, like, knocks it off and cauterizes with fire, like, his, uh, his wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's Which, definitely very impulsive. And she, he doesn't react to his skin being burned shut at all. So a little No, he's too hot for her, dude. <laughs> yeah, not sure it works that way. But okay. Well yeah, I mean he he's just so infatuated. <laughs> okay, and this is the thing, this is the hardest part for me with the these books at some point to, to to deal with. I mean, when you when we went through the recap issue and we got those cool little like baseball card freaking uh you know summaries of all of our, our our heroes here we came to the conclusion that they're no more than what 19 18 years old yes and they sure as shit are not illustrated to look like they're 19 or 18 years old nope they look more like they're they're freaking late 20s mid 30s at least and, and you know it's hard to attribute some of the mental inadequacies that you would find, you know, not mental as in like attributes they would gain as they matured. You know, there are certain deficiencies that when you take into account the age of these characters makes sense, but they're not drawn in a way that reflects that age unless there's something really fucked up with the water on fucking earth right now. It's fucked up the meta- their metabolism. A- exactly. So, you know, but it's never... I got by. it. And it's hard when they to- were in the... Gl- yeah, when they were in the gladiatorial arenas, they were fed uh, human growth hormone. Okay, but even even Mint Julep was uh, She's far a mutant. younger. You know, I mean, do you think about green it? people age differently? Okay, okay. Look at the snorks. Okay, look at fucking Carmilla Frost. Okay, she was well on her way to to becoming. I mean, she's she's downright a fucking doctor, right? Uh, let's assume she through an apprenticeship. Let's say she had an abbreviated apprenticeship. That would still make her, like, fucking almost six or seven years older than Mishula. Which I'm not sure she's not. Touche. It's just, I don't care how tough you are. If somebody cauterizes your arm, you're at least going to, like, ah, especially unexpected, you're going to yelp. It's killer. Fine. 
find the toughest guy you know, like you mentioned The Rock. Let's just put like a hot iron on his skin, and if he doesn't yell, I owe you another Coke. I'm sure he'll okay. understand it's okay. for science. You know what? I'll invite him to prom, and I'm sure he'll come. I'm sure he will, too. I'm sure if we just have to tell him we're burning him for science, and he'll he'll if, understand. If not, he'll just rent us the whole fucking movie theater to go watch Rampage in. So, we'll see. I hope this means we get a new Rampage game, because Rampage uh, World Tour is one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> I That's one of the reasons I still have my N64, and I own that thing on, like, three different, like, formats. Oh, I man. fucking love that game. Anyway. Uh, anyways, yeah. Um, so why why wasn't she helping them battle the Death Breeders or the Death Trackers? She she was though, wasn't she? Nope. Yeah, nope, she wasn't. Half the team wasn't in that montage. Adam wasn't there. True. Rock wasn't True. there. She wasn't there. And we get this half ass. She was like, "Oh, I was I just emerged from the shadows because I was like scouting the area." Maybe she had the a human. Go pee. The human torch here was too busy. The only person with, like, superpowers. I had to check what was under this rock. I couldn't be bothered to help you as you were being murdered. Dude, My okay. apologies. Okay, we're both we're both married, right? So, how long did it take before your wife was comfortable leaving the door open while she dropped a deuce? I know, we're returning to shit, but... This is, this is going to... This is something she would not want out on the air. But <laughs> my wife doesn't like me being on the same floor. She has a policy, the two-door policies, where there has to be two doors between uh, her pooping, where she's pooping. Okay, yeah, yeah. see, we have kids, so bathroom privacy is no longer something that we expect. We expect each other to at least maintain a freaking... Not be within a five-foot radius of each other when we're dropping juice, per se. I know, I don't... You've won me over that they were. She was lying about reconnoitering the area. I agree with you. The only explanation was that she was dropping a deuce. I agree. You you have definitely won a no prize. There's yes. That was. I don't even think that's a no prize. I think that was the context, and I just missed it. <laughs> the artist was supposed to draw her like pulling up her pants and like a like a piece of toilet paper stuck to her shoe. <laughs> It was it was smoldering and slightly you know, starting <laughs> to catch fire. <laughs> it like melted the concrete. There was a, there was a line where Hawk said, "Why does it smell like someone's burning shit?" <laughs> and she got she 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 had to wipe a tear away because uh, it hurt. Oh jeez. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Any, anyhow, yeah, she she gives him a little a little love singe. You know, takes care of her man, K.R. She marked yeah. him. Now everybody knows he's hers. Yeah, she she marked him. She's left a she's left a physical mark on him, and that's 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 her brand. Mashula comments on this that she seems to be putting on a performance because of her arrogance and bravado. Then Kill Raven, and this is this is odd because Kill Raven never usually or usually doesn't pick up any sort of uh, subtext or even thinks about other people. Ponders that this is par- that this 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 act it's it's paper thin, that it's she's hiding the pain because she didn't find her sister at the death birth, which she did find her sister by right. the way, and I want to revisit that because this is reference and even she said she she's like I need to look for my sister, so I actually even went back to look because I'm think because I was wondering if maybe I had missed it that that woman wasn't her sister at all. That she just she realized she didn't re- remember what her sister looked like, 
and so this was just a stranger that she'd mistaken. But nope, that's not what happened. That was clearly her sister who just barely had any memories anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, but I understand this dialogue, because Kill Raven, he only saw her depressed afterward. He didn't see her get rejected by her sister. But this puts another comment she makes at the end of the issue slightly in question. So stay tuned for that, yeah. for Mark and his thousand questions. Right, so yeah, I mean, I, I think throughout the course of this issue, we're going to see a, a whole new level of subtlety and awareness out of Kill Raven. And I think this is the first time you notice it, is where he, he has been paying attention. And yeah, I mean, this is what kind of Ash, this is, you know, the chick he's got the hots for, so of course he's paying fucking attention. But for him to, to communicate that with Mishula... I think takes without any sarcasm. Yeah, without sarcasm or any sort of an insult added to it, I, I think this is the first step in this issue's uh, trek of displaying how much Kill Raven has grown as a character and a person. Yeah, definitely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I also wanted to point out a few seconds ago, you said something about uh, flaming shit. So we get Hawk here, who, while Kill Raven's having his personal growth, Kill Raven, if you were keeping an eye out, you'd see we've got more company. And he said it just like that. Yeah, yeah, way to go, Hawk. Way to be a fucking douchebag. Yeah, and Mishula's like, yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm going to flinch every time Hawk opens his mouth. Because Hawk has just proven to be the fucking albatross of this group. He's just a harbinger of doom. At least by yelling at Kill Raven, he's taking a break from yelling at the pregnant woman who can't walk because she's going to give birth any minute now. So at least that's a plus. True, true, true. So what what has Mr. Hawk got everyone in such a rise about? This is a weird-ass fucking page. It is, man. It looks like a 70s fashion show gone awry. I love the fourth person from the front. She's disguised as Paddington Bear. yeah. Well, well, I like I like how the first person in the front of this line looks like he uh, he he was going to village people tryouts, and the third person because he's dressed as a leather boy, yeah. and yeah, everybody here has a weird ass backstory. I like the guy who's got the Catholic bishop's hat on. Uh, doesn't the the chick in the second one look like she was that that one character from the Fat Albert cartoon? Yes, or she's cosplaying a doll of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've got some pretty weird outfits going on here. So what we're referring to, on page 10, we see this whole line of people walking single file to the Golden Arches. These people, and I don't know how they know, like, we, we, Kill Raven learns this, but they're called the Twilight People. And they only come out at night to worship the Golden Arches. Worship. And... and we learn that the Golden Arches are on this, like, plain that is surrounded by, like, a mountain range. So it's everywhere they have gone in the Midwest is full of cliffs and mountains. Which, if any of you have been to the Midwest, because I'm recording in the Midwest, it is the flattest fucking place ever. But for some reason, during the Martian, like, attack, it's just the tectonics of this area must go fucking nuts. Because it's cliffs and mountains as far as you can see. Yeah, it's it's... Apparently there's been some sort of a seismic upheaval that uh, has created all these great, interesting geological terrain features that don't normally exist. I just love how angry Hawk was that Kill Raven didn't immediately spot this. 
I love that he's mad at this and instantly flips out, but didn't get mad because Kill for and didn't ask any questions because Kill for six months while Kill Raven took them to Yellow was taking them to Yellowstone and didn't explain why for six fucking months. Yeah, apparently he's he's just he's just had enough. You know, he's tired of fucking waiting for explanations, and he's just gonna mouth off at all willy nilly as he pleases. And he's doing a great job of it. So this page, page ten, is the first time that Grok is mentioned all issue, and uh, Adam as well. So Kill Raven tell is tells Adam to give Mashula a hand carrying Grok up. There's a a cave at the top of one of the mountains surrounding the uh the golden arches and that's where kill raven plans for them to make their stand oh yeah last stand for kr and the freeman because they're they have to be careful because eve could give birth at any time now well yeah i mean they don't even they can't even say that with a straight face because i mean it's been like like 14 days (laughs) yeah she has been in labor for a really good long time uh credit to eve for staying on the move through this whole whole thing I mean, it's got to be a record that her labor has lasted twice as long as the pregnancy. <laughs> uh, the Twilight people spot Killraven and the Freemen, and they repeat the words, to the, devour- to the Devourer, grant us deliverance, over and over again. Which, that can't be good. I have to tell you, my Killraven sense is tingling. Right, so, uh-oh, we cut to a different scene. Yes, this is pretty fucking neat. Yeah, this is definitely an awesome uh, callback to uh, yes. the events in previous issues of Amazing Adventures slash Kill Raven. Over the course of uh, th- this interesting little top third of the page, you've got a, a five-panel spread here, but they're all continuations on the same image, which shows one of the sea uh, lampreys from a uh, previous episode. Yeah, it's the one that attacked Rock. Right. And we see it's dead, and it's frozen on top of Lake Michigan, and this tripod walks right past it on its way to Wisconsin. Yep, and uh, uh, as we continue on the page, we see our good buddy Scar is once again in hot pursuit of Kill Raven and the Band of Freemen. Well, he's about a month behind. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, he's a month behind, but he is he's on the hunt, man. He is taking... The, the the ho the high overseers uh, directive to heart and he is chasing after Kill Raven with a vengeance. Uh, he has got that one beady little eye and that greasy maw on the front of his freaking head, just trained on finding him. He's got his impractical so- shoulder straps, uh, as big and poofy as ever. I know. I, I I don't know what those are. I would like to call them suspenders, but the only thing they're suspending is my disbelief in gravity. <laughs> ah! oh! Take that, Scar. Zinger. Yes. So yeah, he's he's on the chase and he's moving around, and apparently he detects something and gets off. He goes to Wisconsin and he lands at the very same pier that Kill Raven and the crew pulled into after Grok was attacked. Exactly. And he uh, debarks Devil's Marauder, which is his tripod's name, to investigate something. And he hears a twig snap behind him. And I love this pose, dude. This is like... It almost looks like a Zoolander pose. It does look like a Zoolander pose. (laughs) And 
Do you know who he finds? Uh, some sea captain, but I don't know who the hell he is. It's the sea captain from The Simpsons. And if you're a purist, I believe his ah. name is Captain McAllister. Oh my god. But yeah, that dude looks just like the sea captain, right, from uh, The Simpsons? He does. So his name is actually in this Kelly, but we know better. We know better. You're and right. I have to say, in an issue of bizarre shit, this is perhaps the most bizarre character we come across, and he is just, he is a fucking nut. Uh, yeah, I, I think this guy is absolutely fucking deranged. He, this whole interaction is just fucking surreal. Yeah, I, I mean, he keeps just mumbling and jabbering on about some shit about the fucking blue ocean and tides and listening to them. I think he had too many tide pods. <laughs> Well, I mean, Scar starts off the craziness. So, Scar mocks the sea captain, and he rants about humanity's illusion of freedom. And Kelly's like, oh, you think you've got some crazy bullshit? I will see you and raise you. And goes on this nutty-ass rant about not being able to comprehend what went wrong with the world, and it's impossible for humans to comprehend it. So he wants to go back out to the sea and hope the sea can explain it to him. Right, and, okay, so... The weirdest shit! There's only one thing that could have made this either A, weirder, or B, incredibly palatable for me, and that would have been if they broke out in song. I read all of his dialogue as the Simpsons sea captain. Yar, maybe the oceans can, don't you see? <laughs> maybe somewhere in its depths it will tell me about life. So R, I won't fear, have to fear death no more. Yeah, you know what? I, I read I read this as like they were almost singing to one another. Yeah, this, this is like this is that part where you expect like a, a, a Disney style like I want song as to like you know I want to go to the sea and listen to the tides or some shit like that. I don't. There's there's evidence here to back up that the sea captain is singing because if we go to the the lower left panel. How his arms are outstretched. <laughs> it totally looks like he's singing, it like does. in a musical. It does look like something out of a Broadway musical, man. I have never seen that pose out of anybody, like, not singing in a play. Right. Yeah, Scar. Apparently Scar is not a big fan of Broadway. No. Well, he tells the captain he's too pathetic to kill, so he wants him to live. That's, like, a worse punishment. But then there's a cherry on top for for for, uh, for old Scar here. Yeah, it's a cherry red fucking leg on that freaking devil's marauder that burns the fuck out of his hands. Yeah, it, it burns the shit out of the captain's hands. So now he's like, come back here, what I? How can I hunt and survive without my hands? Yeah. Uh, well, he says it's basically uh, too bad, you know. This is a, but more one I tell a man, why? Okay, I gotta do it in pirate voice. I just can't fucking read it normally. Come back one eye and tell a man how he's supposed to hunt for food without his hands. But more one eye. Tell a man why you would do another horrible deed. Why another? The, the white whale took me leg. The one-eyed, one-eyed man took my hands. Oh shit! Now it's the fugitive. And Mark this ties in the Moby Dick missing leg ties into our Halloween Simpsons episode. It's all shared. Yep, yep, yep. So, so on the I have a 
Well, oh, one thing that was noted on, uh, on that last panel was uh, on the wall or the column or whatever the hell it is that's right next to Captain Ahab over there. You've got tagged on the wall, Kill Raven was here. Which I assume that Scar was too busy torturing this guy to notice because it's not referenced at all. So again, the scene change. So we, we go back to our hapless heroes here on page 15. The free men are taking cover in this cave at the top of the mountain. Eve's contractions are getting closer as she's preparing to give birth. And at the same time she's about to give birth, she, you know, she's creating life or she's about to, to give birth, Grok is dying. So they, they defi- and you see their panels next to each other, they're definitely contrasting the, the new life versus death. Right. Yeah. And I'm sad to see Grok go. He was an interesting character, even though he didn't say much. Yeah, and we... I, I don't think we've reached the end of his arc. I, I have to say, this dialogue in the middle panel, and the ne- and then the next panel, like the lower left, is so fucking bizarre to me. I mean, I know what they're trying to say, but it's just so weird. And then the way that Mishula, what she says is super weird to me, and then how Mishula tries to comfort her is not comforting at all, and it's downright bizarre. And if you would be willing, I would like to do a dramatic reading. Of the middle panel and then the panel after it, and I'll let you choose who you want to be. Um. Okay. Well, I I I don't particularly care. I, since you seem to have the heavier take on it, I'd say you take uh, Carmela's uh, dialogue. You know, I'll take the one line by Mashula. Okay. I want to rest. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Mornings come and I struggle from sleep, but I haven't rested. And I'm always tired. I want to stay asleep, protected somewhere, to lean on someone, to believe I could tell one person all the terrible things I've done and thought. But always afraid the intimate conversations will be betrayed. I am always self-sustaining. Those are lies! I take for truth, for they are lies, and I would like to be truth, and yet the other lie, to be weak and cared for. That's also an obsession. Yeah, that's some kind of speech, Carm. Ain't much choice but to ask questions on the run in this world. You keep moving, or you're dead. You hardly ever have time to wait for answers. Maybe, because the answers would scare the hell out of you. (laughs) What the fuck? What is either one of them talking about? Okay. And I know that I don't know. I know what she's trying to say about being afraid to be vulnerable, but not being able to allow herself to. That's the lie. I mean, I get it, but nobody talks like this. And his whole "I'm going to comfort you," but everything's too scared, and we can't have lives and whatever, baby. It's really if you knew the answers, it scared the hell out of you anyway. It's like they both had a fucking stroke. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. Maybe maybe they both were ha- fucking having some sort of existential crisis at the same time. I, I don't know. You know, I, it, it was really wordy. It was really, I, I think, I, I think it was poorly written. I guess would how, be the way to say it. I want to know how many drugs Don McGregor was on this issue because this is such a crazy batshit. Yeah, issue. this is definitely he, he was fucking smoking some good shit here. Okay, Donnie boy, Donnie. Donnie, lay off the shit, bro. Yeah. But, but what comes next? It. What comes next? Yeah. I, okay, this? I cheer. Go for it. I cheer. Do you know what this is? 
Is this the first interracial kiss in comic book history? This is the first interracial kiss in a mainstream color comic book. Wow. And you're going to say, that's a lot of caveats I threw out there. Do you know, so Don McGregor was responsible for the first interracial kiss in a mainstream American color comic book. Do you know who is responsible for the first interracial kiss in a black and white mainstream uh, uh, comic book? Don McGregor? Uh, Don McGregor also was the writer on the first black and white uh, interracial kiss. However, he did so accidentally. I think he's a big Othello fan. So, well, check this out. This is this is crazy. He probably was. I I I I would love to interview him because we're so deep in this stuff. But there was a book called uh, Creepy, issue forty three in nineteen seventy two, and there's character. There's the first black and white interracial kiss there, but it was a coloring mistake by the uh, a miscommunication between Don McGregor and the artist, so he didn't mean for that to be an interracial kiss. But then, several years later, he did. This was absolutely on purpose. So he had both firsts. Kind of an interesting story that the first was that, that is interesting, and that is awesome. I mean, I tell you what, dude, we've been waiting for this shit to happen for so long, you know? I mean, you know, every time it gets close, Kill Raven's bumbling ass fucking stumbles in and ruins the fucking so, yeah, he's been a real di- unintentional dick. Yeah, that. so you know what? Let Karm and Mashula have this solace in one another for the short amount of time they're going to have before all shit breaks loose. Talking about all shit breaking loose, I think we should go to page 16. Oh, yes. So while that's going on inside the cave, see, we see, yes, we have Sacrificer and Adelon we see that they're on a mountain and they're overlooking the golden arch and they find the abandoned snow, uh, kill Raven's abandoned snow skimmer from their escape and they see the arch. So they're hot on the heels of kill Raven and, uh, and the free men. Do they, do they see hoof prints for the, you know, the serpent horse? Anywhere? No, cause it's, it's only his ghost and it's haunting uh, Kill Raven. What they do see is a whole shitload of mud, and Adelon has to sur- like carefully survey the environment to find ways to around the mud so he doesn't get any on his uniform. And again, how is he going to murder them in this horrific, like Quentin Tarantino esque way without getting his uniform soiled? I have no idea. Um, I'm sure he'll find a way. I mean, I'm sure this is. You know, Adelon's probably one of those guys that has a fanny pack full of, like, I don't know, um, saliva shields and latex gloves and fucking whole body enclosing fucking prophylactic fucking devices. That's so funny, because I was about to say Clorox wipes and dental dams. <laughs> so we're on the same fucking page for the you win. You watch that fucking naked gun? Where, uh, where he had the full body prophylactic, it was just a giant yes. condom. Yeah, Adelon's yes. probably got one of those stashed away somewhere so he doesn't get soiled. I would I, I would agree with that. Just seems to so, be the kind of guy he is. Let's, uh, let's cut back to our heroes. So they're inside the cave, and out of fucking nowhere, out of a lake in the, in the middle of the cave, a giant beast rises up. It looks like it has, like, an apatosaurus, or, like, what people would say, an abronosaurus body. It's bigger than a fucking bus. And I can't wait to hear your description, 
because this thing is it's almost impossible to describe. Its head looks like a cross between a human heart and a starfish, but with tentacles everywhere, like radiati- radiating out of it, with a big mouth in its center, and just a giant eyeball on a stalk. Right. It's, it's the craziest thing. It, it is It is absolutely... It, it, it's, it's like what happens when that freaking chamber from the fly misfires, and you have like four or five different creatures from your local zoo in it, and they get somehow teleported and smashed together in this amalgamation of suck. It's got like freaking like elephant legs and freaking a body almost with this weird. I I, I don't I don't even, I don't remember the name of the dinosaur. It's the, it's, uh, it's the the one that looks like it's got a sail for a crest on its backside. And, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, and the thing that gets me. Okay, and I okay. It, it's a little more apparent in, in later panels. Okay, it, it's it's hard to describe, but it's it's gaping maw. It, it looks like someone's holding a taco in a vertical position, <laughs> and all the sauce is running out of it. But it's suspended by this weird network of muscly tissue that's holding it away from the body. Like, how the fuck does it eat? How in the fuck does this thing eat? And it, you know what? How does it chew? Because the goddamn eye stalk is coming out of the motherfucker's mouth. And I would think that if you fucking clamp down on something, it'd sever the damn eye stalk. So what the fuck is going on here? I agree with you. Everything has been really realistic up to this point. This was a bridge too far. The, yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the, there's tentacles coming out of tentacles and there's there's no, like, clear like digestive path because like this mouth is really huge and, and and the stalks that are suspending it don't seem like they would be large enough to carry any sort of food down to some sort of gastrointestinal like chamber that would digest it so like what the fuck how does it eat and is this fucking eyeball on this fucking flexible muscle eye stalk that's also an optic nerve is just kind of hanging suspended there like what the fuck is going on, man? Not only does it look like a monster, but it was totally cool to hang out with all these people there. It didn't care, but as soon as there were a, uh, an interracial kiss, it had to come out and interrupt it. So not only is it a monster, but it's a fucking bigot. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I figured out what this is. Trump? It's 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 Alex it's Alex Jones. It's oh a post-Martian ah! Alex Jones. <laughs> Uh, Stop pissing Camilla Frost. George Soros poisoned the water supply, and that caused autism. That's it's 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 Alex Jones. It's all the chemtrails. <laughs> but Sandy Hook, the Martians uh, never invaded. It was a false flag Canadian operation. These are all crisis actors. <laughs> Damn it, can't you tell? That killer even guy looks like he's freaking 26. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, my stomach hurts from laughing too hard. I can't do the Alex Jones for long periods. (laughs) It's not human intelligence! (laughs) God damn it, I'm gonna shit myself. (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) Ah. So this 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 is the devourer that the uh, 
golden arches people, the the twilight people, were uh, were worshiping. Okay, so we get to the next page after viewing this fucking beautiful. This this was like a two page monstrosity here almost. Okay. We I, have to post that picture someplace because no, our descriptions do not do mutant Alex Jones here justice. Uh, we got to okay. put this am, up. I am, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm Hold on. I'm going to screenshot it. I'm going to throw it up on the Instagram. I'm going to tattoo it on my back. There you go. Hell yeah. Tattoo it on the back so the inmates have something cool to look at. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and get a, a full page image and... Uh, you know what? When we drop this episode, I'm going to use this image as uh, as the Instagram for uh, for announcing that we've dropped an episode. Oh, would it be helpful if I gave you email or text like I used to? Because I didn't know you were doing that on Instagram. No, I I'm 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 trying it. I'm checking it out because I've got it in my podcast feed. So usually I'll just take a picture of the of the summary and all that stuff, and I'll I'll use it on Instagram. But I try not to. Um, I try not to do it during work hours because I've made that a very easy to access profile. But it is still somewhat linked to mine, and I don't. I don't want the people at work knowing I fucking look at this shit while I'm working. I'm glad that you you're, you're looking at those show notes. I sometimes feel I spend too much time no, on the show no, no, show no. notes that no one reads. Uh, okay, no, okay, and, and I know we're going off topic here, but the show notes I read, I love them. They're fucking hilarious. And then the outro outtakes and everything, like the music, the music selection. Kudos to you for fantastic music selection throughout this whole endeavor, and and, and the, the little bits of like you know, okay, that's a wrap, and a little post show talk where we kind of you know, kind of do our little cool down exercise. That's awesome too. Thank you. I don't spend a lot of time on the notes, but it's I, I try to be a little bit funny, and I was very proud of my uh, not, and I I'm kind of being an asshole, pointing a uh, hanging a light on this, but I I talked about eating babies and f- iTunes reviews in the same sentence, so I was I've been laughing about that all week. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should read the show notes yes. because they're occasionally funny. And if you haven't emailed because we, we you can't hear what we're saying with it, you can actually just click on the show notes and it will take you to our email address and you can tell us how great the show is and you and we'll explain to you how to send us a check or money order. And how or, great the show notes are. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. Alright. I am on page eighteen. I am looking at that first panel. I am looking at Kill Raven charging first at the four-story tall monster. What is his plan? Is he charging to it or is he running away? To me, because it says Kill Raven moves first, showered by uh, cascading saliva with the consistency of gelatin. So you can see, and it looks like he's in a shower. There's just like saliva being poured on him. But to me, I thought that implied that he was running towards it. But it's just... Where everybody else has, like, a plan, like, Camilla Frost is, like, fucking shooting it in the face. It looked like his plan was to run right at it with his arm outstretched. Yeah. I, it's like he's trying to get it to shake hands. I, I think I think he was running away. Which would have been a good plan, so and, I hope and, so. And more importantly, this panel gives us a, a close-up of the maw of this beast and the fucking eye stalk coming out of its mouth. Yes, it absolutely, the eye stalk is coming out of its mouth. Dude, how does this thing chew, man? That's what bothers me, okay? How does it chew? 
and not rip off its own eyeball. I mean, like, if it gets a savory morsel of human, does its eyeball retract all the way inside of its mouth so it can chew? And if that's the case, does it ever accidentally swallow its own fucking eyeball and choke and gag on it and then cough it up? The eyeball stock is made out of a combination of vibranium and unstable molecules. Well, fuck, that solves it. <laughs> he, he got it through an email. Uh, it sounded like an email scam, but it was legit. It was from a Wakandan prince. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. So, yeah. I don't think that Eve is really pregnant. I just don't think she wants to walk or participate in any of these activities. And that's why she's been giving birth for fucking seven days. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, Carmilla. It, her, you know, Kilrain's reaction. I think it's run. You think it's run towards. I think it's run away. <laughs> either or. I'm hoping you're right. For uh, everyone's sake. Uh, you know, Old Skull and Adam and... Volcana are attending to Eve, who's in, in the throes of childbirth, finally. She does not look happy. Carmilla's got a plan, which is shoot the damn monster in the face, which, hey, you know what? Range weapons? Cool. Keeps you out of danger. And uh, Hawk, on the other hand, Hawk's got no plan. Hawk's just trying not to get crushed underneath the fucking mastodon-looking feet of this beast. It- he has to, like, somersault out of the way, and it is a bad day for Hawk, because even though he avoids the foot, he looks up, and do you know what he sees? He sees Nick Nolte pointing a gun at him. <laughs> it's like a melty Nick Nolte. Yeah. He looks up, and he sees Adelon with a pistol on his face, and then to make things worse, Adelon says, Heard any good prayers lately? So not only is Hawk going to die, but now this asshole is pushing his religion on him. Right. Oh, fucker. Another spider? No. Can you hear I, that? Is that I heard through? the dog. Yes. Yeah, she's fucking going apeshit at something. So we are so. on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're on page 22. Yes, and I, I just happened to notice a detail that I had missed on my previous read-through that I can't wait to get to when we get to the bottom. All right. But yeah, we... Yeah. We finally kind of joined the two of our stories. We have Adelon and uh, Sacrificer finally in the same geographic location as Killraven and the Freemen. However, that doesn't seem to be working out too well, where Adelon had the drop on Old Skull. Uh, Adelon is knocked over by an appendage of the Devourer, and the gun is knocked from his hand. I thought that was hot. Adelon is knocked over on that first panel, and you see, like his gun goes flying. That next panel, yeah. it absolutely is Hawk who uh, who is grabbed by the monster, and it looks like there's blood all over the the devourer's mouth, which I uh, I didn't notice before. There's a lot going on this page, a lot of weird shit, and that's yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of cool. This is where shit. It's not like shit wasn't surreal before, <laughs> but shit just took this like it takes a hard turn. Which, I I absolutely feel a lot of narcotics went into the creation of this issue. And mm-hmm. one of the things I'm citing for that is, so Old Skull is being, he's wrapped up in a tentacle, and he's literally about to be eaten. And so his response to this is not to panic, and he's hitting this fucking giant five-story tall monster with a, with a stick. And he's not panicking at all, and he takes this time to inform Killraven, Oh, hey, did you hear? Eve had her baby. 
as he's literally <laughs> being drawn into this monster's like fucking mouth. Yeah, you know, Old Skull is a simple guy at the best times, and uh, maybe that was his primary primarily concern at the moment. You know, a giant monster trying to eat him is almost an everyday occurrence since he went on the road with Kill Raven. Uh, but but a brand new baby, that's, that's a new and refreshing thing. He wanted to spread the good word. I gotta say, maybe this was me being gullible. I was not 100% sure that Skull was gonna make it out of this. And we don't see him for a little bit of time. I was not 100% sure his ass wasn't fucking eaten here. Yeah. I I was 90% sure he was fine, but there was 10% of doubt where I'm like, I think old Skull was just eaten as he was, uh playing like stork and, and and giving the good news about eve's baby you're right i, I think that's I, I thought that a character dying was definitely a strong possibility and i, I had felt that something like that was going to happen in this issue but yeah as much as i believed it it just never happened how i thought it would i like that despite having an iq of probably in the the low 80s and be, the fact that he's literally about to be devoured, not only does he give the news that she's uh, she gave birth, but he gets got a little smarmy with it and quips <laughs> that he thought the baby would never arrive. So, I mean, he's literally, you can't see his feet here. And I, again, I'm not 100% sure that's not because they're in the monster's mouth. And he's... But they can't be in the monster's mouth. If it clamps down on anything, it's going to clamp down on its own eye stalk. <laughs> Apparently here, we see the eye stalk not coming out of his mouth. So, I'm wondering if that other panel, if that's we that's a tentacle going into his mouth like it was putting some food in. I don't know. The good news uh, is, this is a completely impractical creature, which I don't understand. Like, like, you did a really great point of uh, job of pointing out, there's no way this thing could possibly exist. So, I'm not... It doesn't necessarily have to be consistent in my mind. It's like Breitbart that it's based off of. Or not Breitbart, Infowars. It doesn't have to be consistent on an issue due to litigation. Uh-huh. You know, you, you might be right about that. It looks like it does have its eye stock coming from a corner of its mouth for some reason. But that's besides the point. It always has something in its fucking teeth. Yes. I mean... Gingivitis. If they had freaking toothpick companies back then, this monster would have been their number one customer. But they don't. He's got a lot of issues. I think this is a guy that would have... I'm hoping the future, the Martian future, has universal healthcare. Because this being looks like it would definitely uh, could utilize some specialist care. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Uh, Old Skull's making a quip. Mashula and Killraven are both engaging the giant monster. And, uh, old El Volcana is, uh, nearby, and she kind of gives everyone a, uh, warning that there's more chaperones to help, uh, help keep her cool. And I have a controversial call here with this middle panel on the bottom row. Right. So she's at the ca- mouth of the cave, and the there's a snow skimmer, and it is, it is on the ledge above the cave they're on, and it's flying off the edge of that, which would add credibility to the argument that they can fly, glide, or jump some distance. Hmm. I'd say, I'd say definitely glide. And, uh, yeah, I would say definitely on the glide part. And I can't blame them from gliding down and 
grabbing whatever it is they have to grab to take to freaking shrink ray and shrink down and bring back to full size and all that good stuff. Shia! Wow. You can hear that? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. That was the uh, comic book diesel engine passing <laughs> by. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the wolf spiders ride Harleys, okay? <laughs> so, she shoots the bottom of the snow skimmer. And so, it continues traveling and it goes down, like, this valley on the side of the mountain and crashes... And the mm-hmm. onomatopoeia that we get is bottom, um, 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 which is a little and strange. Maybe you gotta have a little accent with it and go with the uh, I mean that sounds better, but that's uh, that's a little unusual. It, it is. <laughs> I like the, the bottom. Um, 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 um. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit weird. Page 23. Yes, page 23. Kill Raven's lining up a shot with his photo, photon, um, what's the name for it this time? I'm not 100% sure. He's used multiple weapons at this point, and I'm not sure how many carryovers there are between issues. It is a projectile we- uh, a firearm of some sort. Yes. He lines up a shot. Takes it, and as he takes it, the eye is staring at him like, what is this little bastard up to? And sees that the shot's missing wide of the eye stock of the creature, and it kind of dismisses it, but then realizes the shot hit a stalactite, which it was intended to do, which pierces the skin and the hide of this, I don't even know what to call it anymore, it's a monstrosity. Beast. I... Beast. I call bullshit on this entire set of caption boxes explaining what happens. I'll take that Killraven shoots that stalactite, knocks it down, and it stabs it and murders this creature. But the fact that there's this just caption box after caption box explaining the intelligence that's in the eye and how it keeps this creature's able to emote through the eye and Killrave can like see the realization dawning on well at first it had this arrogance where it's like this little thing can't harm me and then the realization dawned on it that no I'm in danger and now I'm dying it's a eye on a slimy stalk there's not an eyelid there's not muscles around it there's no way for it to to flex or move. So no, that is physically impossible for this thing to fucking emote anything. Yeah. That's like saying my fingernail could emote something. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. No no surprise for the for for the eyeball of, of monstrosity. It gets injured and goes down. Kill Raven feels a brief remorse about taking a life, but he shakes it off being the the sociopath that we know and love. Right, and you know, I mean, throughout the course of this, uh, we've seen Killraven kind of has, has, has taken a step back from his usual brass and impulsive behavior, and uh, he, he, he seems to think a little bit more before he acts, and to speak a little more before he, he judges, and uh, seems to be working out for him, seems to be maturing a little bit, seems to have a broader audience, but... Uh, uh, he, he loses that a little bit, um, 
because he still has a bit of a dick in him. I mean, I, I liked that he didn't just murder this being, even though this thing had tried to kill them, he recognized that it was a living thing. And I mean, if you think about it, this thing wasn't really malicious. It This was its den, and they invaded it. It's got to take a lot of calories to sustain being a giant fucking multi-story tall eyeball squid monster. So, I mean, yeah. it was, it was, it seemed to be eating to survive. So, I don't, I, I'm not sure how much I buy it had intelligence. But yeah, I mean, there didn't seem to be any maliciousness to its acts. So, I like the fact that Killraven, I mean, this he, he realizes it had to happen. And he... It seems like he more mourns that this was caused by the Martians' interference on our planet. This was a whole set of events that didn't need to happen. This thing was a uh, a victim of them just as much as we were. Right. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, while he's having all these deep thoughts, Killraven is leaving himself open to a, a to an attack from behind, which I would again I would have been surprised if we had an issue where he was not hit from behind in the back of the head, and that's exactly what happens. The Sacrificer, despite having, like, a blade arm, it looks like when he comes up behind Killraven, like, just hits him in the back of the head with, like, the like side of the blades. Yep. Puts him in a headlock, chokehold, and uh, wrestles him down. Yeah, it definitely, that has become a trope for Killraven, the getting snuck up on and getting hit in the head. Yeah. Not the best one. Not a good one for him, but yeah. You would think, since this is probably the... I'd say at least the eighth time that something like this has happened in our short run here, that he'd invest in a helmet. Nah. Nah. He's got that fancy crown-looking thing. That's all he wears. Well, I, mean, I guess he's, we established he's like 19. He's a bit arrogant. And now I'd say a little bit probably <laughs> slow-witted because of the, uh, the, the massive amount of head injuries. Right, yeah, so, you know, he, uh, he and Sacrificer tussle, and, you know, they fall, fall down, I guess, uh, the side of the hill or something, and they roll their way down to one of these, uh, arches. Yeah, which, again, as he's rolling down the side of a mountain in a scrap, I, I, I would, I think he would appreciate a helmet, and I know I've said this before, but he's gotten, he must have more head injuries than, like, a career NFL, like, linebacker. Because, I mean, he is hitting the head constantly. And it was the mm-hmm. uh, the warlord that just multiple times an issue. Uh, just, just beat him. Yeah, like with a robotic arm. Yeah, with a metal robotic arm, just beat the crap out of his fucking scroll. The skull it was amazing. Yeah, I was I was rather impressed that Kill Raven could like spell his own name after that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, him and Sacrificer fall down, they strike this arch on the way down, and they continue to duke it out and talk amongst themselves. And, uh... The, the Twilight people who worship the Devourer and the Golden Arches, they are pissed. That is an act of sacrilege. Oh, sacrifice this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are pissed and upset about it. But, uh... Yeah, you know, what's to be pissed and upset about? You know, these guys fighting next to your arch. I mean, what's the worst can hap- that can happen? Someone <laughs> accidentally slams someone else into it and proceeds to create a vibration that totally destroys one arch. That that couldn't happen, could it? I, I thought that was a cool panel because it looks like it's actually starting to disintegrate a little bit on top. 
before it falls yeah. over. Yeah. Not like I'm judging or anything, but yeah. So The forlorn look that Sacrificer has on his face when he realizes that the arch is about to squish him. <laughs> if, imagine Gar- what the look on Garfield's face if he realized he was about to get wet. That's the look that, uh, that Sacrificer has, realizing that a several hundred pound metal uh, arch is about to squish him flat. Yeah. Yeah. The, the look on his face, I, I kinda, his surgical mask almost looks like he has a mouth on that panel. It's kind of weird and disconcerting. Yeah, because I think the front is like... Oh yeah, we, st- we talked about this in an earlier issue. When Killraven kicks the front of his surgical mask, it rips it open in front of his mouth. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that for a second, so yeah. That's good continuity there. It, it is. It is. Totally good continuity. So, yeah, the arch is crumbling down, and, well, Sacrificer happens to be in the way, so bye-bye, Sacrificer. I wonder if there was supposed to be, like, a sense of irony here, or uh, just they were playing off the fact that this is a man who he killed babies like as like he 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 viewed himself as an artist that he was a a practitioner of the culinary arts that for the martians babies are the highest delicacy and he was the artist that worked in that medium and so he's killed by the symbol in our society for the lowest quality (laughs) mass-consumed food oh shit yeah I think the irony is delicious. It it almost feels like that was what Don McGregor wanted is that message, and he like worked backward from that point to make this issue happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure if that was intentional or not because normally we would have gotten seven caption boxes really belaboring the point. And yeah. So if this was intentional, I appreciate the restraint, but I definitely think that that's there. Somebody who kept calling themselves an artist who works in the food medium being crushed by the symbol of like mass-produced, uh, low-quality food. Yeah, I, it's definitely a, a, a little backstory and, and a little bit of symbology that's in, implied and used here. And, and the irony is great. We skip. You know, we think this is the end of the story, but you go forward a page or two, and there's an epilogue. Oh, this is the most pretentious shit ever. Mild spoiler alert: we get three epilogues in one comic book. So, uh, this is epilogue one. Uh, epilogue one uh, centers around Adam, Adelon, and that's basically about it. Those are the only two you really see getting getting into each other. If and killing. So yeah, here's the deal. So Adelon is trying to avoid a mud puddle because he's weird, and that's been his entire character. The two things that drive his character are wanting to kill Killraven and trying to avoid mud. Killraven challenges him. Adam moves in to confront him, and now Adam makes a ball of mud. Does that look anything like mud to you? It looks more like a snowball than mud. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he balls up a snowball, and it looks like just just the open-handed, just flat right to his face was fucking delicious, because we know that wasn't much that depends, right? Y- yes, and so, do you think that since we didn't see a lot of Adam so far, he had a chance to sneak off, and maybe there's a little bit of feces in that mud ball? I think so. I'm hoping. 
Because if Sacrificer just got a, a 500-pound bit of irony landed on his skull, you'd like to see maybe a turd's worth of irony here. Exactly. At least a turd's worth. Yeah, and he just, he smashes it, like you said, like just flat-handed, like into Adelon's face. And Adelon just, just loses his shit. He loses his shit for like one panel, and then Adam just cold cocks him upside the jaw, lays him out, man. I mean, he, you know who he reminded me of? What's that? Do you remember um, Punch-Out, Glass Joe? I, that's exactly what I have in my notes, too. That Adam punches him, and he looks like Glass Joe from Punch-Out. And this is actually the second time we've compared a character getting punched to Adelon, because when Killraven uh, hit, or took out Warlord, he had that same, like, look on his face. But yeah, that uh-huh. absolutely, I mean, this one looks exactly like Glass Joe's head being hit to the side from a jab. Mm-hmm. So he goes down hard, and he is furious. Yeah, he's just seething. As he- I, I mean, like, yeah, you can tell he's just one rage-filled, insane... Just he's he's just gonna he's just gonna go on a fucking rampage now. Uh but appa- but he unfortunately he cannot go on a rampage at this point because as he's standing up, he gets uh it, at this point I mean bef- I I assumed it was going to be uh volcanic ash shooting him with fire from behind, but the way it's drawn it looks more like a flaming arrow than anything, but it's supposed to be volcanic ass shooting him in the back with his flame powers and he falls face first down in the mud yeah and that's it there there ends Adelon he's gone you know he pursued kill raven and company across you know 40 miles worth of freaking real estate mud free and met his bitter end yep mud free and he met his bitter end up against kill raven and company one of Kilraven's friends blasted him in the back with some freaking super fire, super powered fire, and Adelon now will have to go on to the great laundromat in the sky. <laughs> and this, uh, this is where shit gets a little deep with uh, Kilraven. He, uh, he, he. This is the new Kilraven shining through because Volcanic Ash tells the group that killing Adelon can't undo all the evil he's done, but he won't dehumanize anyone ever again. Which Killraven is quick to point out. He's not sure if that's true, because in murdering him, maybe this was his last act of dehumanizing somebody, that that took, the act of murdering him maybe took something from, uh, from Volcanic Ash. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, man, we've been waiting for this for so long. It's been, it's been, it's, it's been hinted at, it's been played around with, and, uh, there's a little there's there's a little commentary here between Mashula and Carmilla, and Mashula happens to be uh, anticipating something because he's like, uh, "Hey, I'm about to get some ammunition here on my mud brother." Finally, Mashula's the one saying "mud brother." Yeah, he 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 landed that one a few times this issue. There was a bunch of uh, not a bunch, but I liked everything that Mashula said. I think uh, he had some funny quips. He uh, he had some good lines this issue. And I like him and Camilla are just kind of like, whoa, 
here's some more proof that I think I finally got to kill Raven that he's being less of an asshole. And uh, you know, he said Mashula realizes that something's finally going to happen here with uh, volcanic ash and kill Raven. Right. So yeah, they while everyone's watching uh, volcanic ash and kill Raven have a little conversation where she announces she's leaving the group and heading out with Adam and Eve. To, uh, to maybe... Because, yeah, the Adam and Eve are leaving. They're going to try to track down the other Adam and Eves that escaped, and she wants to go with them to maybe find her sister. Yeah. So, again, that to me, that could be taken two ways. One, that she hasn't told the group, you know, that she did find her sister and that she wants to kind of keep secret that... Her sister didn't really was damaged and didn't remember her. Or two, that she's hoping her sister's still with the group and that she wants to. Because that was real weird. She's like, "Yeah, I am your sister," and she's like, "Okay, bye," and she just lets her sister walk off. And I even mm-hmm. made some smarmy. I remember I, I made some smarmy comments about it because nobody in the history of humanity has ever acted like that when finding a long lost <laughs> sibling. So I, I, I'm glad I because I, I'm taking this to mean that yeah she realizes that that was a ridiculous thing for me to do. I should track her back down. Right, and uh, yeah, with that announcement, she has to say her goodbye to Kill Raven Company, and uh, you know the parting is bittersweet. As she's going to walk away, Kill Raven kind of pulls her back in and plants a big, wet, sloppy kiss right on her freaking lips, and it's finally, finally what you've been waiting for has happened. That's ridiculously graphic, because you can see this, like his lips start to smolder, and she cauterizes his lips together, and he's just screaming. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> okay, okay, I... I admit that I may have invented a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, wait, no, that's not what happened. I, I didn't misread this. What the hell? He's just, he's just trying to scream, but he can't get the mouth open. He's flaring his nostrils. He's just bumping into things, and Mashula has to quick get like a pocket knife and like slit the uh, the the charred skin back open. Yeah, his mouth looks like Neo's in Matrix yes! when, uh, when it melts together. Yes, that's exactly, that's exact, they must have gotten that from this issue. <laughs> oh, no, dear, dear listeners, no, this is not what happened. Quite the contrary, there was no skin melting, there was no smoke, there was definitely some heat, but, uh... They don't, yeah, they don't have the we, issue. Our commentary is going to reach more people in the modern world than this issue did. We control this narrative. Fine. We'll, we'll make the narrative whatever you like. So she, uh, she, she burns and kills Kill Raven. She becomes the leader of the group. They find Mint Julep and get her back on the team, and that's how this issue ends. I wish. Okay, I'm, I will stop wasting time. You're absolutely right. I invented, <laughs> I invented his face getting burned. It's just that everything that we've seen her touch... In the past, has resulted in like, oh, Hawk's arm is now sizzling. So I just thought that would have been great if we got some some mouth sizzle. But no, they have a passionate embrace, and then they separate with no damage done. I'm sorry, I will stop interrupting yeah, your right, summary. Right. <laughs> they separate, no damage done. She walks off into the distance with Adam and Eve. Uh, Kira even stands there, staring longingly at her. Swears for an instant she turned back, and then they're gone. 
And that basically ends up the story. Kill Raven's got a little bit of stuff to think about. And Volcana Ash is out of the picture, unfortunately, because she was a really good element of the story. And the fact that she, she had some family that was actually fucking productive for once. Yeah, this is sad. This is another awesome female character that just written out of the book. She walks. I, I will say, yeah. One thing that is good is that she never got the treatment that Mint Julep and freaking Carmilla got. With, with she, she was never made to be looking to kill Raven for anything other than maybe a good leg. Some of those covers now with Mint Julep are a little bit uncomfortable because we learned she was like 16 in the last issue. Exactly. That puts a whole new spin on those almost pornographic covers where she's like all sexualized looking to kill Raven to uh, to protect her. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they ever really thought about that. I don't. I don't think they did. I think that they were they were putting the the file cards together. They're like. Quick, Don, how old she is, and he didn't carry the one over. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this takes us to epilogue number three, which is a very, uh, very wordy one. Yeah, a little unnecessary. Yeah. It, Kill Raven questions why, when that in the past. Kill Raven has bragged about every tiny thing that he's done. I mean, he takes a shit and he comes back from the woods like triumphant. And this is arguably his biggest accomplishment to date. That this is the first time that he's actually done something that to hurt the Martians. With the destruction of Deathbirth, I mean, he's hurt them for the first time. He's shown them that one of their most important facilities isn't safe from him. That wherever he goes, he can harm them. And so this is like the first time in their invasion that they actually have reason to have trepidation, and he's not bragging at all. And I thought that would have been a good note for them to go out on, but then she, uh, at, at Mashula's urging, she has to admit that while they were on the run, she got a little bit lost. But again, yeah. <laughs> this is something that Kill Raven would have teased her mercilessly about. He doesn't comment on it. And they pass, right. they pass through the remaining arch, as he ponders what profound meaning this symbol must have had in the old world. And that's the joke, that they think that this is something that was like a, a gateway to a new land, or uh, a, like a, a symbol of great religious uh, significance. They don't understand it was just like a stupid fast food sign. And in the foreground, we see a broken McDonald's sign that says over 77 trillion served, or Woo-wee! sold, which yep. I had to look that up. And in 1994, McDonald's stopped counting how many burgers they sold because at that point they surpassed 99 billion. So now signs just say billions and billions sold. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So they did not... That was one thing that Don McGregor did not uh, foresee happening in the future. But Yeah, we finally got fed up with how many billions were eating that fucking crap. Yes. This last shot pisses the hell out of me. I, Why? I, I think it's cool that we see the sacrificer's like body underneath one of the fallen arches, and we see a dead Adelon face down in the mud. That's cool. But do you notice anything missing with the group with our group of freemen? Uh, T Hawk, Old Skull, Kelraven, Carmilla. Oh yeah, where's where's freaking Grok? Yeah, where the fuck is Grok? And it's not like he wandered off. 
at least one of them has to be carrying him. It's like they just left him to die in the fucking cave. And oh, maybe they were walking back to the cave. And we don't see the uh, the serpent stallion. Yes. Yeah, the silhouetted one from early on is freaking issue. It's like where did it go? Every every time our like the characters have been drawn, there's always been one or two characters missing from the group, and this was just carried on. They couldn't uh, they couldn't bother with Grok. <laughs> Poor Grok. And this is the first issue that we get that it, we just get a end on the bottom page. We don't get like see next issue. The shattered monuments, or whatever. We don't get uh, any anything telling right. us what to expect. Well, I think maybe they learned their lesson after last time. You know, they kept teasing us and teasing us and teasing us with these man- monuments getting shattered, and finally they had the wherewithal to proceed with it. I just opened up next issue, issue. Uh, sorry, issue thirty-two. And you are not gonna believe what is on that fucking splash page when we open it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my tablet across the room. Mint Jula. <laughs> no. He's riding his fucking serpent stallion. Oh god. <laughs> I mean I'm surprised this isn't something I'm making up to be smarmy, but yeah, he's on his serpent stallion. Oh fuck. <laughs> uh, okay. I surrender. <laughs> No, I just I just checked that first page to see if he like uh, he comments on it. I figured it out. Okay, did you ever watch the Transformers cartoon show? Yeah. Okay, when Optimus Prime would turn into a truck, you'd see his fucking trailer come out of nowhere, and then whenever he would transform, it would disappear again. And in the lore of Transformers, Optimus Prime, when he's not using his trailer, it would go into subspace. Huh, okay. So that must be a natural just just ability of these serpent stallions. When not needed, they just go into subspace and hang out. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'd be down with that. That takes some balls to put that in the next issue. After only after there's no way he could possibly have it with how issue like twenty nine ended, and then just only being seen briefly as a silhouette. In one panel of this of, of issue thirty one to put this in thirty two. Well, he's got to hide the shadows because you know, he knows everyone thinks they're dead, and the, you know, the producers are going to get on his ass. So he, he hides the shadows as as uh, you know part of his uh, fire burning stove and the exhaust from that, and, and puts a little a little something going up the chimney from Mike's freaking run part of the house. Don't delay the pavement on the house for a long time. This issue has been an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. You know, we laughed, we cried, said goodbye, and said hello. Then goodbye. And, you know, what, what else do you expect? I mean, we've gone invisible here. So, uh, there's so many possibilities. But, the biggest possibility is that, as, as ha- always happens, all good things were said, that we had to say goodbye to Volcano. It was very sad. It was. Uh, she was definitely a little annoying for me, uh, and a little too uh, a little too thirsty for Kill Raven, as the young kids say, but uh, she was still a good calendar. Uh, good, I'm sorry, not a calendar, character. Durr. 
My my wife will come home from work some days, and she just she'll be drinking a ton of water, and she'll always say, "Oh, just still mind me. I'm having a thirsty day." And I always tell her that I don't think that what you're saying means what you think it does. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I'm excited because even though we're we're cruising through these, and we have we've can we've done more Kill Raven issues than we have issues left. But what's exciting is we're uh, only five issues away where we take a slight break from the War of the Worlds title and we go to Marvel Team-Up where there's a team-up where Spider-Man travels forward in time and meets K- and helps kill Raven fight the Martians. We're only five issues away from that. Awesome. But the, I think we talked about this last episode that Kill Raven uh, only has 39 issues before it's wrapped up and we just uh, finished uh, issue thirty-one, so we're uh, right. yeah we're uh, we're cruising through. It's a little bittersweet. Yeah, I am for one anxious to see exactly how how this wraps up and where they leave the characters in the universe. And I'll be glad to move on to something a little a little different because uh, yeah, I don't think Kill Raven gets stale, but there are some aspects of it that have lost a little freshness. And we, we talked about this a little bit, uh, or I think at length, the last episode, where I know I'm very ADD. I'm constantly switching things and, and moving on to new things. So I look forward, I do look forward to leaving Kill Raven as much as, I, as I've enjoyed doing it. And I like that the next things that we're covering, we're covering two things that we're going to alternate. We're covering the 1980s Star Trek the motion picture comic and the, I want to say off the top of my head, 1977 Marvel Godzilla comic. Just alternating yeah. back and forth is going to help keep it fresh. Hell yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, talking about future plans, we talked about taking a bit of a break from Kill Raven for our next episode and uh, we're doing, uh, we're debuting a brand new segment uh, on the podcast that I hope you guys are going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of my freestyle poetry, and you're going to give me notes on it. So I hope people uh, <laughs> people are excited for that. Uh, it's going to be accompanied by video. Mark is going to be wearing a black turtleneck, and he's going to be wearing an ironic necklace, <laughs> along with sarcastic glasses. Uh, this 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 he'll be lit only in black light, and the paper he's going to use is going to be black paper, and he's going to write his poetry on it with a disappearing ink white pen, so he has to read it at a fast enough tempo that it doesn't disappear. Oh, my heart's beating already. That sounds very anxiety-provoking. <laughs> All of my poetry is about cats, by the way. This is going to be very kinetic. <laughs> but no, no. Again, we're, uh, we're, we're pulling your leg, listeners. We're actually doing something, and I, I think we talked about this again last episode, where we're each going to pick a different comic book and then present it to the other person. And another change, and I can't 100% predict the future, but we've uh, we've reached out to some other podcasters, and it looks very likely at this point <clears throat> that we will be joined by two other individuals for that issue or for that episode, and they will also talk about a comic book that they've read that they'll present to us and we'll laugh and make fun of the issue or ask questions about. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm going to definitely... Uh, I've already mentioned what my choice would be earlier in the show. I think I might see if I can find something a little more lighthearted just to have as a flavor text that I can throw in there. You know, nothing so involved, but something a little more humorous. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've mentioned my pick uh, yet. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you've talked about yours. Mine, I, I went a little bit of a, a different route. I went a uh, little bit earlier. I went yeah. to Marvel back in 1989, released uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a comic book. Well, it was in a comic book format, but it was in a little bit... Uh, it was a larger issue, and it was part of the Marvel Magazine imprint. But it's like a 40-page... There was two of them, and they did a... Uh, like a 40-page story, so I'm very excited. <laughs> that's been on my list to read for a while. I don't... I, it's probably not going to be very good, but I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to have the suck to have that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Speaking of which, I'm so... Deadpool's coming out in the future. I'm jazzed about that. Like, in two weeks now. Say that again? Uh, the second Deadpool movie. Oh, yeah. I know people are quite excited about that. Yeah, two weeks and it's out, so I'm, uh, I, I touch base with my English buddy and see if he wants to go. And, or, uh, 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 you might be traveling this way, we could make it a double date and go watch it. I don't know how interested you are in the Deadpool movie. Yeah, uh, neither Ashley or I have uh, seen the first one yet. I've seen parts of it. I took my wife to go watch the first Deadpool movie for Valentine's Day. And I told her it was a love story, which it kind of sort of was. Yeah, he, uh, he gets with Black Cat. Yeah. Uh, or not Black Cat, you know, I mean Copycat. Whatever, whatever her name is. Yeah, Copycat, uh, Vanessa. The, the chick that was on freaking, you know, Serenity. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that was supposed to be Copycat from the comics. Okay, so yeah. So, yeah, exactly, it was a love story. See? I wasn't completely lying. No, that's, it, it had a romantic, uh, story. Yeah, there were strap-ons, and freaking... Felicio and Cunningulus and all oh sorts boy. of good things. So Yeah, we haven't had uh, any of that in Kill Raven. We had a saucy kiss, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, Two of them. good saucy kiss. Yeah, we had the first interracial kiss this, this, this issue, and we also had the first uh, human fire monster kiss. So there were two <laughs> firsts. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Poor freaking Kill Raven. He's definitely... Uh, Definitely got a kiss the blue balls now. Yeah, and I, I was, I was really hoping him and like Mint Julep were. I, I didn't necessarily want them to get together because I thought that would have taken away a little bit of Mint Julep's power. And that was before I realized she was like sixteen at the time. So he kind of dodged the bullet there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I don't think we're people are held to the same standards uh, as they were before. Well, and again, it's not like, because it, it seems weird, because I think of him as, like, being 30-something, but he's only, what, like, 19? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the age difference is only a, a few years, and I'm I'm not sure, being, like, a half-plant mutant, what the development of a, a human-plant hybrid is. Maybe they reach adulthood at 12, so maybe a 16-year-old half-plant is more like a 20-year-old person, I don't know. Perhaps. This is 
I feel that I can only say something that's going to make somebody mad talking about the age of consent in a human-plant-human sort of relationship, so I think I'm going to kind of, like, peter off of that. But it, uh... Again, it's just, it's weird that they draw all these characters, and Mint Julep I would have placed by the way she was drawn at least in her mid-to-late 20s, and Kill Raven at least in his 30s. And the fact that I was t- at least ten years off on any of them. I mean, it's very it, it's very weird because again, you would never imagine any of these characters being younger than like twenty five. Right, right. They, the way they're drawn, though, just it just ages them so quickly. Well, yeah, you can definitely tell there's a lot of Conan in Kill Raven, and I think trying to make him big and powerful. It's just the way he's drawn definitely lends to a more adult look. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, I've really enjoyed this issue. It's batshit crazy and full of, uh, and I'm sure the, the, the writer and artist use some sort of a psychotropic. Uh, yeah. As much as I nitpicked the hell out of it, I enjoyed it because it was such an insane ride. Yeah, it was all over the map. It was really crazy. It was wild. Um, you know, like I said, you know, we saw some kissing. We saw some departures from the team, even though we thought there was going to be a death there. Maybe was, maybe wasn't. That's still kind of unresolved. But the only, you know, for sure departure was Volcana. And uh, she left and left quite the impression on all of our hearts. Yeah, it said, I don't think we're going to see her or Mitt Julep again. I know that there's a, uh, there's a, La- a Kill Raven series from the 2000s where Mitt Ju- It's not the same universe. It is a different take on the story so it's supposed to be a a different uh different dimension but mint julep makes an appearance in that uh not sure if volcanic ash ever makes another reappearance because i want to say there's a 80s uh kill raven graphic novel i think it was part of their epic imprint and then there was the 2000 series but yeah let's check we have the technology oh yes so I like this ish episode, or I like this issue, and I hope you guys enjoyed our episode covering it. We've been getting a m- crazy amount of downloads, and I want to think that this is partially due to we've been reaching out to some comic book creators and other podcasters on uh, social media, and mm-hmm. we've gotten some uh, some kind words on social media. So I think we have more people checking out our show, and I want to say I appreciate all of our listeners who keep coming back. And I know you guys are telling other people about our show because our listenership keeps growing. So if you guys want to get in on this conversation, if you want to be part of the show, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. It's in our show notes. You can just look at the show notes and click on it. And you can tell us what you think about the show. You can tell us what you're reading. You can tell us what you want us to read on the show. Or just any questions that you have, we'd love to hear from you. Yep, you can also get in touch with us on our uh, rapidly growing social media profile on Instagram. It's the at Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. On Instagram, uh, you can DM me if you want. We're, we're, that presence is getting larger as well, along with, uh, uh, I don't know, is, uh, is Broken LMD getting, uh, getting more Kill Raven and, and co- podcast-associated queries? I, I'm not on it as much like to say, like, put out random stuff, but I have been using it to reach out to other podcasters and to comic book creators. And I, we just did an interview with uh, 
some of our cr- favorite creators, the three wise men. So I'm not sure how this is all going to air yet, if the interview is going to go up first or if this episode is going to drop first, but we just did the same night that we started uh, this episode. We had previously, or the before we recorded this episode, we recorded the interview with the three wise men, which if you remember, they, uh, they wrote one of our favorite books, Motor City Mo. So they had told me that they had checked me out on uh, uh, Twitter. So seeing how or seeing what I had written there, and they we talked almost exclusively through that medium. So yeah, definitely some stuff for the show is happening at Broken LMD on Twitter, and that's a good way if you guys want to reach out to me. I don't write so much on Twitter because I'm a curmudgeon who doesn't really do social media. But if you have if you message me. Uh, or tweet at me, I will respond. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So, um, I guess that's it for now. On the eve of, uh, not the eve of God, on Free Comic Book Day, today, for a timestamp, if anyone cares. Let's, uh, let's keep turning those pages and we'll move on to the next one, huh? It does look like that Vol- Volcana Ash does come back. Damn it! Why'd you spoil it for me? I mean, not not this. I mean, saying she makes more appearances than just this series is what I'm saying. Oh, so she has a bigger part in that in that universe. Yeah, like I said, we we get a couple different. There's the like the Marvel Knight series of Kill Raven. There's. I don't think we're gonna get the satisfying wrap up to the Martian storyline in this series. And I think I talked about this our very first episode, that Marvel did do a few other Kill Raven series. They had one that they never released, that they, they like they never they got cancelled before they or they just scrapped the idea. But there was a I wanna say in the eighties there was a graphic novel and then in the the two thousands there was like a Marvel Knights series. Uh and in the Invaders book from I wanna say twenty thirteen there is a, a Kill Raven appearance in that series. And Marvel has always had the multiverse where, like, the mainstream was Marvel 616. The world that Kill Raven is in was originally written to be the future of the Marvel Universe. And we saw this with the original run of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that that was supposed to be the 31st century of the Marvel Universe. Both of those got retconned to be different dimensions. Right. So, it's questionable if we ever at the end of this series ever see this kill raven and grew up again and again if you're a huge comic book fan and you know a little bit more about that or want to contradict what i just said i would love to hear from you but i know that the marvel knight series they did was a different universe than this kill raven and i'm not sure what universe the kill raven from the his brief appearance in the invaders was but I know they were trying to tie up some of those uh, Martian threads. Okay, cool, very cool. So I can't wait to see that. So yeah, like like you said, keep turning those pages. And if I can get a bit uh, philosophical for a minute, I know tomorrow when I'm stopping at Taco Bell to get myself a burrito, I'm gonna think about in 20 years after the apocalypse what my uh, descendants are going to think of that sign, how they will worship it, and I'll probably stake some hapless human being to it so he can be eaten by a giant monster. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh, man. I'm, that's not going to stop me from enjoying that burrito. 
thinking about the human who's going to be eaten by a chalupa monster, but I'm still going to enjoy it. It's sad, but uh, it'll, it's a fucking good burrito. Fucking <laughs> chalupa monster? Yeah. Right next next door to the fucking mayor and the cheese monster? Yeah. I mean, clearly, I mean, something along, um, around that McDonald's caused Alex Jones to become a giant starfish <laughs> vagina mouth dinosaur creature. I assume whatever evolved from from Taco Bell would have to do with maybe their their breakfast menu or Chalupa or something. I don't know. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Have you seen, now that you mentioned Alex Jones, have you seen the memes uh, comparing Alex Jones to, um, oh, what's his name? Bill, I think, from uh, King of the Hill? I, I have not, but I, I, I would say that the main difference between them would probably be a hundred and so pounds. <laughs> and that Bill's a decent human being. I'll take your word for that, but yes, I know I know that is not the case of Alex Jones. <laughs> it's fantastic how how well I, I think the character was drawn based off of Alex Jones now. I the similarities are just too fucking much. I know a podcast that we're both fans of is uh, the Cognitive Dissidents podcast. Yep. And I that's one thing I really love about the Cognitive Dissonance podcast is the Alex Jones updates we get and just uh, I love when they have smash cuts of him doing crazy shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or, or just fucking grunting and making noises into the mic. Yeah, I I just I don't understand how people can like listen to his show and be like, "Yes, this is an informed person that I'm going to take his opinion as my own." One of my favorite things that they've had on recently, cool, he does this a lot, variations of it, where he's just like pounding on the table, and he's like, mm. Enemy! Enemy! This man is my enemy! I hate you! I am going to destroy you! And, I mean, that's... <laughs> this is where you're getting your political information from? Yes. <laughs> they play through it. And they just, like, stop. And they're like, what did he say? They rewind it, and they play it again. And they stop, and they rewind it, and they play it again. And you just hear him just fucking just going absolutely bonkers over some fucking stupid bullshit. Yeah, it's, there's so many, if you guys, if the audience does not know who Alex Jones is, Google Alex Jones, and one of my favorite bits, and I think he might have done this a couple times, is where he gets a Gorn mask from Star Trek, because one of the things that he believes is that aliens are demons, and that they're real, and that they're, uh, the government is in league with them, and, I mean, he says all sorts of shit about aliens and demons, like, once a fly landed on Obama, and this was proof that he was a demon... Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just—he'll just go on these insane rants. But he—he—he's done a couple of these bits where he puts on the uh, the Gorn mask, and I'm in league with the elites, and they feed me babies. <laughs> and it's just—it's—it's it's so unreal how unhinged this guy is. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just glad that that he's getting some retaliation finally. Yeah, it's. Well, he, he's such a nobody that he said he said all this crazy shit for years that people haven't pushed back against because he's just some crackpot. And but it's finally it seems like the last couple of years he's gotten people like what was like the yogurt company that I can't remember what he said like the that was causing autism or some shit. I, yeah, it starts with a V or something like that. 
Yeah, and they uh they pushed back and they 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 opened like litigation against him and he went on the air and he had to admit he's like, "Nope. That's this isn't true. You know, this is we said it, we found out it's not true. You know, they're this is not they're not aliens chopping up babies and putting the or whatever crazy shit he had said. But another thing that he has said for years is that the you does everybody remember Sandy Hook? Guy came in and shot a bunch of small children. Um, Alex Jones has said for years that that didn't happen, that they were all, like, crisis actors, those kids didn't exist. And he has said this for years, that, like, the parents are terrible people, and that they are these liberal actors who are trying to get guns taken away. And a lot of Alex Jones' fans have a real hard time understanding that He's like a wrestler, you know, he doesn't, he's playing a character that he's doing this to get clicks, to get ratings, that they take all this shit seriously, and several Sandy Hook survivors have talked about, or like the parents of Sandy Hook, like uh, kids who were killed at Sandy Hook, have had phone calls in the middle of the night threatening them, people coming to their house telling them that their kid didn't exist and that they're liars. So, I mean, they've already gone through the hardest thing a parent can go through is losing a kid, and just to be, then to be harassed by these crackpots. So, several of them have finally said enough is enough, and they're suing Alex Jones. So. Yeah, and I hope, like hell, that they succeed. It's, it's hard not to, because they, he, he, it's not like he said this once. He has repeated this narrative for years that this didn't happen. So, I mean, I think they have a really good case. This is what he said. This is the effect it's had. Because, I mean, we've seen this shit recently with the uh, Pizzagate, where the... And Alex Jones, I'm pretty sure the guy who who showed up at the... What was it? Comic Pizza with a gun? Was an Alex Jones listener. He said, like, I mean... yeah. Yeah, he'd listen to the shit on InfoWars. And Alex Jones had... I mean, massively... I'm sure he backpedaled away like crazy. Yeah, backpedaled like a motherfucker trying to separate himself from that. And, I mean, that's a real... We're so we're so just going on and on on a comic book issue, but that's... <laughs> yeah, after the fact, this is like our postscript of the episode. But, I mean, there's... I'm a huge speech free speech fan, but part of having free speech... Because I see this a lot where people say, I can say whatever I want, it's free speech... Free speech has consequences that you can say what you ever, whatever you want, but you have to fess up for that. If your speech is responsible for somebody being hurt, there's sometimes legal or financial consequences to that. Or even right. the, say if I was like, oh, if I'm an anti-gay bigot and I own a, like a restaurant and I take that every opportunity to tell people how much I hate gay people and people stop coming to my restaurant, I can't say that people are infringing on my free speech. They have free, or I have free speech to say whatever I want. People now have the freedom to not, not go to my business or to boycott me or to tell people online, don't come here because this guy's a tool. And it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's something in our society where I think we don't, people don't necessarily understand I can't violate anybody else's free speech. Free speech is like a covenant from the government where if the government said you're not allowed to wear red sweaters anymore or you're not allowed to use let- words with the letter Z, 
they're now dictating things that I can't do or things that I can't say. Those are probably terrible examples. But <laughs> but I can't infringe on somebody's free speech because right. I'm not the one granting it. It's the government. Right, right. And yeah, it, it is free, freedom of speech. It is not freedom from consequence. You know, you just like the whole, uh, you're not allowed to say, scream out fire in a crowded movie theater because you do that and there's a stampede and someone dies, you could be held liable. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that's always, uh, I, I can remember talking about that in, like, ninth grade. I mean, that's always a good example that you are responsible for the, it, you can say whatever you want, but sometimes you there's there's a consequence, a good one or a bad one. Right, and you've got to measure out whether the, the response and the consequence is, is affected by you and by, you know, how much, how, how, how much personal responsibility you're going to have over what you say and how it impacts others. The, or something that all, that really is, it like gets under my skin because it's just really bad reasoning. And I see it, this is something that I've seen a lot on. I consider myself a real liberal guy. And this is something that I've seen a lot over the past years. On our, on my side of the uh, the aisle, on my side of things, it's the. Do you remember after Trump was elected? I'm blanking on the Nazi's name, something Spencer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Steve Spencer, Mike Spencer, Steve. Steve's, I don't remember. Yeah, the one that got punched in the face. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, the this Nazi, he got punched, and I heard a lot of people agreeing that, yep. That's what we should. Uh, that's what we should be doing with uh, anybody or with people that we disagree with or Nazis, because this is what they believe that they want to violently do things to to other people. If somebody's espousing bad ideas, I don't think that you can use the uh, because I disagree with them, and the end result, you know, years down the line might be violence. <laughs> to it's okay to now punch them especially you're giving credibility to their ideas that it's such a dangerous thing that i have to shut them down in a violent way you're turning these people into a martyr and it's just especially it's such a demonstrably stupid idea like nazism we've proven we've proven this shit is stupid and doesn't work the only thing you're doing is giving them a bigger platform because now this is going to be reported on so, I mean, it's right. just, it, it, the amount of people who try, I've seen try to justify why it's okay to hit a Nazi, I mean, all you're doing is giving them a bigger platform and just adding, and just proving that, or making them into the victim of the situation, and it's just, that is the absolute wrong way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and, and all it does is give them a platform to freaking stand on and spread their bullshit message. Especially whenever you legitimize making violence the correct uh, answer to a situation. And this is the example that I always, or one of the examples I always use, because I've, I've had several people tell me why they think it's okay. You're saying because you be your, your belief is that how despicable Nazism is and that it could lead to violence, that's it's okay to hit, uh, to hit them. Why is it now, not, why, by that justification, it's okay for an anti-abortion uh, protester to hit somebody who's pro-abortion or say somebody at a abortion clinic because in their eyes they're committing murder or that they're pro-murder why is it you have now whenever you make it okay that the answer to speech is violence 
you're always opening that door for something you don't agree with to do that. And uh, I, I know that several people, because I'm an atheist, I am so sure that this is a blasphemy to my God. It is okay for me because this, what your your views are so contrary to mine. You can use it to justify that. You can use it to justify again uh, somebody who's pro-abortion if you're anti-abortion. So you're always mm-hmm. you're opening that door, and it's just such a stupid or it's such a slippery slope. I don't know why you would do that. It's just again, it's just it's a bad idea. You can confront bad speech with good speech. Yeah, yeah, you can take them to a logical conclusion and show that some of the things they're advocating for aren't going to end up well for the general population without having to punch a Nazi in the face. Especially, what you, there's a 30-year-old Nazi, but then next to them, maybe there's a 12-year-old Nazi or an 18-year-old uh, Nazi in a wheelchair. You're going to knock, a, you're going to punch a Nazi out of a wheelchair. You're going to punch a 15-year-old girl. You're going to punch no. somebody on crunches. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just e- so easy to demonstrate that this is a bad idea, but I, it's just whenever it comes up, especially online, you see all these people who you know in real life who have never been in a fight or never hit anybody. Yeah, it's a good thing. I'm gonna punch man. I'm gonna punch them right on their head. No, you're not. <laughs> and people, I think people really struggle with the if it feels good, it must be the right thing to do, and that's just again such. I. I hate that shit when I, like with from people I disagree with on say like political issues. When I have people who I agree with usually ideologically, I have much less tolerance for that stupid thinking in somebody on my side than somebody on the other side. I expect better. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. This episode is now almost four hours long before editing, so this is going to be it's going to get down to probably a solid two hours. Yeah. Okay. All right, man, that's a wrap. Okay, thanks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Scrub the bottom and top. There is nothing so clean as my burger machine. With a broom and a brush. Clean it up for the rush. Before you open the door. What a shine on the floor. When we've been one then, start all over again. Tell me what does it mean? And McDonald's is clean. You know, I went to the McDonald's in uh, Shelbyville on Friday night. The McWhat? Uh, McDonald's restaurant. I uh, I never heard of it either, but uh, they have over 2,000 locations in this state alone. Must have sprung up overnight. You know the funniest thing, though? It's the little differences. Example? Well, at McDonald's, you can buy a Krusty Burger with cheese, right? But they don't call it a Krusty Burger with cheese. Get out. Well, why do they call it? A quarter pounder with cheese. Quarter pounder with cheese? Well, I can picture the cheese, but, uh... Do they have crusty, partially gelatinated, non-dairy, gum-based beverages? Mm-hmm. They call them shakes. <laughs> shakes. I don't know what you're getting. Well, I know what I'm getting. Some donuts.